Hey everybody, how's it going? I just want to take a quick second to thank the sponsor of this episode, uh, and that's Sprout Studio. I wish this service had existed 10 years ago when I started my business. They have all the functionality of a CRM in terms of being able to send client questionnaires, proposals, contracts, uh, but they also provide other services for photographers and videographers, such as gallery delivery, scheduling, email marketing campaigns, bookkeeping, customizable templates, and contracts. It's really all you need to run your studio uh, in one service. It's really fantastic. Uh, they're offering 30% off from Black Friday through Cyber Monday, 30% off of any new plan for the next three years. So you can take advantage of this for three years, but you can only sign up uh, through November 30th. So to do that, uh, check out sproutredo.com slash podcast. Uh, make sure you use this specific link. It really helps them track their investment. <laughs> and and I want them to know you came from here if uh, if you end up taking advantage. It's sproutredo.com. Redo, S-P-R-O-U-T-R-E-D-O.com slash podcast. Really appreciate their support. And uh, yeah, on to the episode. Jesse, what's up, man? How's it going? It's going well. I just got back from a run. It is freaking cold out and I hate running in the cold, but I forced myself to do it and I'm glad I did. <laughs> yeah, you see, you're much better than me. The cold kind of like deters me from a lot of that stuff. Yeah, and uh, it's hard. It's freezing up here in Jersey too. So yeah, I think you're probably three hours north of me. So that's you're probably five ten degrees colder. It tends to track pretty reliably yeah. <laughs> that way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. I wish. Although it's it's honestly it's been a pretty mild fall, which has been good. I agree. Yeah, it has been really nice. Uh, I I kind of wonder, given the the change in climate, how often we'll actually have massive snowstorms anymore on, on this area of the east coast i guess you probably still do again because you're uh, well enough away but where we are we've only since living in baltimore now for about six seven years only had two giant snowstorms and okay. growing up i don't know i feel like we used to get i don't know it's all anecdotal right it's hard I, it's not like i've looked at any data of the number of feet of snow and how much is accumulated but it seems like we get a lot yeah, more yeah. rain now than, <laughs> than snow unfortunately i wish we got more snow but uh it's it's been so mild this year and last year it's no it's kind of nice yeah no and i i have zero complaints exactly. i'm able to shoot a lot yep. more and stay outside more it's so like, what if the east coast all becomes works for me like <laughs> the best weather the best climate to live in it's like oh <laughs> the ultimate long game everybody's been playing yeah <laughs> right <laughs> <laughs> that's why dc was picked as the yeah we'll, we'll teach everybody right. over in california <laughs> <laughs> yeah they knew what was happening have you always been in the new jersey area is that where you're from yeah, yeah. I grew up in a small town, uh, kind of at the very peak of New Jersey in the mountains there. Not a lot going on. There are and mountains in New Jersey? To... Oh, absolutely. What? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, the very northernmost part is uh, pretty much all mountains and like some scattered farmland and waterfalls and nature. What? And okay, I knew about the gorgeous. farmland, which I was also surprised about only because I you know, get the occasional wedding venue. And it, it's stunning. And like, this is great, but I have not seen... I guess I haven't ventured too far off that main 95 highway. Yeah, you got to go pretty far north, like yeah. pretty much where PA, New Jersey, and New York come together is gorgeous. I guess, okay. Yeah, I was going to guess, and I see it here, part of the Appalachian Trail, Appalachian, Appalachian Trail goes through New Jersey, I suppose. Yeah. Pretty yeah, cool. we used to hike that all the time when I was in Boy Scouts and all that. Yeah, this is beautiful. So I grew up in a very similar looking area in more central Virginia, a place called Lynchburg with the Blue Ridge Mountains. Oh yeah. Uh, looks yeah, yep. very similar. 
that's great. Yeah, my brother lives down in Virginia now, so I'm down there pretty frequently. Cool. Have you been uh, actively shooting this year? What's uh, what's the story? Um, it's definitely been a change for sure. I mean, luckily, like I do a lot of portrait stuff and not as many weddings and stuff like that. But uh, any weddings I did have definitely got rescheduled, or yeah. they opted for like a smaller, more intimate family affair, and then. They're originally going to book me next year for a big ordeal, but a lot of them have just kind of canceled that and yeah. kept the small wedding and just moved on. That seems to be my vibe as well. People that you will definitely yeah. do the big thing next year, but if they went ahead and did something small now, it seems like they're kind of like, we're good. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Once I delivered the images, it's like, ah, oh, you know, I think, I think we're good now. We're going to, you know, we decided that, you know, with the state of the country and where everything's going, we're just going to save the money and these came out great and we're yeah. done. Yeah. It's almost like you don't want to do too good a job with the photos because <laughs> yeah, exactly. they see them. They're like, oh, these are amazing. We don't need to spend a whole wedding. These are fine. We're good. <laughs> yeah. And you definitely get that feeling a little bit. You're like, ah, man, like, you know, but what can yeah. you do? Well, I like your, your rig there, your lighting setup and camera and everything for this recording. It's very nice. I need to Oh, it was slapped together pretty yeah. last minute because I don't do too many of these. So, but it, yeah, it's a Sony A7R three, and then a, a Rode mic. Yeah, so. the Rode mic's awesome. I've been thinking I've got access, obviously, to like five different camera bodies that I could use as proper webcam. But I want it to be a yeah. permanent installation, and I use enough of these cameras for other video stuff, you know, for educational content or whatever I'm putting out reviews. That I don't oh, want to yeah, like yeah. set one up permanently at this desk, but I think I just have to buy one of those Sony. I think Sony makes sort of a fixed lens, maybe a 35 f2, something like that. I could have yeah. not one of their, I don't know. I'll figure it out. I'm just lazy. Yeah. The, so the Sony was my primary shooter. And then I switched over to Fuji GFX. Oh, and let's talk. So about that. now the Sony kind of sits on the shelf. So it worked out perfectly for which, them. uh, is that, so they're in their second version of the GFX, right? They have a number two came out this year. Is that right? Um, well, they have the GFX S, okay. which is like your standard like SLR style body. Then they have the 50R, which is like a rangefinder sure. style, which is the one I oh, have. Okay, and that came out this year, and, right? It's newer. Uh, oh. No, the one that came out this year was the 100, that 100 megapixel. Huh. Okay, crazy. That was a little overkill. I don't think I need 100 <laughs> megapixels anytime soon. Probably, probably not. <laughs> yeah, it's e even with this, it's 50, and I'm like, this is crazy file sizes yeah. and. So you have the GFX, but, uh, okay, cool. I, I've been eyeing yes. that, but I don't have any lenses. I'd have to buy into a whole new system. So it's like, rrr. yeah, I, um, the camera body, like Fuji's been pretty good about putting stuff on sale. So they knocked a thousand bucks off and that kind of made the decision for wow. me. Wow, That's generous. And then, uh, I have a bunch of old, like Mamiya medium format lenses that I was able to adapt right away to it. And some old, of, uh, Sigma art lenses. Sure with the Canon mount and they actually cover the full sensor. So. Nice. Oh, okay, great. Yeah. And having that experience, surprisingly, it's fun to throw something on, not knowing for sure. I have the Hasselblad 907, um, X 50 C rig. It's their, their yeah. newer medium format, probably the same sensor. Pro I think it might be exactly. The I same. think it's the yeah. exact same sensor. Yeah. Fuji and Hasselblad kind of have a weird history of sharing things like oh, that. Did not know that. Even as far back as like the, um, the Hasselblad X pan. Huh? Cool. Uh, Fuji had an exact same one that was like the XT something or whatever, but it was identical bodies. They just slapped a Fuji or Hasselblad logo on it, whether you're in Japan or oh, the US. Wow. 
Well, yeah, Japan, it was Fuji, and then U.S. was Hasselblad. That's really fascinating. I wonder, I know um, recently learned that Hasselblad was bought by DJI, so I wonder how that influenced yeah, anything yeah. or not. But Yeah, my drone has the Hasselblad camera on it, so... Uh, it's it's nice to have this new rig, this giant medium format sensor, and then throw on all kinds of different lenses and see which one is so well designed that even on a, you know, it was designed for oh, a 35 yeah. millimeter coverage. It's actually so well designed in terms of vignette and everything that it still covers the medium format sensor size. It's crazy, even though it's technically. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Format. It's fun. Yeah, I think most of the Sigma art lenses do a pretty fine job of that because they're so well manufactured. Awesome. I haven't even tried those yet. I've only tried my Leica lenses. I have a Hasselblad lens from like the V-mount system, I guess. That obviously covers it well. And then I've got some Nikon lenses and Canon lenses that actually work pretty well. Uh, but I haven't tried any of the Sigma stuff. So that's that'll be fun. Yeah, and the the autofocus seems to work and tracks eyes and all Crazy. that with the body. Yeah, so. that's the big thing. Fuji has eye tracking with their medium format, and and Hasselblad does not. I'm bummed. <laughs> which, which is also interesting because it is the same sensor, and they share so much. You think they would have just gone for it, paired it yeah. over, but yeah, Maybe, you know, Hasselblad's I think, behind. I think Hasselblad, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And they also like to like really promote like that film feel and stuff like that. So I think they, they prefer people like manual focusing when possible. And, and the focus peaking is great. It is very fast and a great oh, experience. Yeah. yeah, it's lovely. So you're mostly, uh, is that, do you find space in, in any wedding work that you do to shoot with that Fuji? Is it, does it keep up with wedding stuff or is it mostly for portraits? Um, I pretty much only pull it out on the wedding day for like the couple's portraits. Got it. Um, just cause it is a slower camera to use yeah. and like, you really have to nail that focus. It's so easy to miss focus, especially I, I have an adapted Sigma 85 on it that I use for a lot of that portrait work. And the depth of field is just razor yeah. thin. And with the 50 megapixels, you can zoom in and any miss is twice as apparent versus like a 20 megapixel. Oh yeah, absolutely. Like, yeah. Oh crap. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> even like day of you're like you could swear you nailed focus yeah. and then you come home and blow it up on the iMac and you're like damn how was I that far so off? <laughs> the Nikon D850 was like a 45 megapixel sensor it was one of the early huge resolution DSLR cameras when that came out and I have a theory yeah. that a lot of people I think there were some legitimate issues but I think the vast majority of people that had complaints about that camera nailing focus or maybe it was the D800 I think that might have been it uh, a lot yeah. of people were like it just misses focus like it, it really I think it's just because now they had two three times the resolution that they were used to from whatever they came from previously and you know if you still exported and printed or whatever at the same you know 1500 pixels for your website it would be the same relative sharpness or in focus as whatever their previous camera was but because you could zoom in yeah and while you're editing and see it one-to-one -one, twice as big now you realize like oh it totally yeah is. you notice yeah. all those flaws yeah the lenses weren't <laughs> yeah of course to keep up with that uh, but it was it was funny to see that realization never hit so many photographers that were just for whatever reason upset that their camera was not as good as they thought it was going to be even though it was <laughs> yeah i've seen a lot of that too with people that try to shoot film later on mm. especially medium format film because the the you know the film plane is so much bigger now and yeah you're like ah the, the focus is off on this camera or this camera's junk and then you look at it and you're like no you're just not taking the time to nail focus totally. yeah yeah the tolerances and forgiveness is far less the larger your uh, sensor size goes, it seems, but it's exciting. I mean, I really hope that Fuji or the, the eye tracking technology and everything that kind of exists in 
the full frame sensors now. Yeah. You know, works its way up to the medium format stuff, but oh yeah. It's going to be a while. I think there's that's just a exponentially more difficult problem. I don't think it tracks uh near on nearly the same timeline in terms of the technology evolution. The I mean, you should see I have a 100 megapixel phase phase 1. It's the IQ3 and it is so bad with autofocus single single point in the middle it's very loud it's it, it hunts like crazy like jitters all over the place the focus point literally yeah. doesn't move like it, it you're really locked into one area where you're going to get focus or not it's so bad oh yeah yeah i think it's it's a little bit more difficult for them to do but fuji seems to be doing a great job like the, the gfx 100 the newest one they just came out with seems to be far better in that aspect where the eye really does lock on i've seen people actually using it for some wildlife okay so that's promising yeah. that it's actually able to track and uh and i'm just surprised that they're able to put uh sensor stabilization into it which is oh, i didn't know they had that cool that is impressive yeah wow. <laughs> yeah, I was talking to yep. someone else and my, you know, the theory kind of surfaced through the conversation that it seems maybe that eventual you know, professional photographers, quote, <laughs> however you want to, but people that kind of make their living day in and day out with a camera could trend more toward medium format as sort of the default look and what they do as cell phones, you know, iPhone cameras and all that sort of assume the replace the more common 35 millimeter full frame uh, look and feel. I wonder if as price points drop and everything, uh, most professionals, yeah, just literally go full medium format in whatever capacity they can afford. And hopefully that kind of default look becomes associated. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe I I'm thinking that's probably what's going to happen, especially with Fuji pushing the envelope for affordability in medium format. Yeah. I mean, with the, the 50R, especially with their thousand dollar off that they have going on right now, it's you know, you're looking at the same price point as a top end mirrorless. Yeah. It's not a good, in, not you a know, good so uh, investment in terms of resale. <laughs> My phase one rig is yeah, like, yeah. oh crap, how much can I get for it versus how much I paid? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, but that's okay. So uh, what's going on? We, we've never talked before. What do you, what else do you fill your days with other than uh, photography? You got a nice little, is that your home studio, home office where you're sitting right now? Yeah, yeah. This is, this is the home spot so it's uh i kind of um i'm into collecting antiques and oh, okay. stuff of history so my space is kind of part museum part gallery wow any particular <laughs> era or is it just anything um mainly like victorian cool. era nice yeah so stuff like that and i try to incorporate that stuff in more of my personal projects with shooting and okay and all that stuff, I, I lean to a, a little bit more of, I guess it's technically conceptual photography, although I think that word kind of sounds pretentious. Sure. Yeah. And kind of has weird connotations, especially nowadays. But um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's why I generally just tell people I do portraits. Yeah, that's probably a good idea. You don't want to set a, a bias or a picture in someone's mind about what you, th yeah, portrait is a safe, safe space to. to yeah, start. it's also, it's also like when people like, technically classified as like fine art i feel like it has that same weird connotation of people make up judgments before they actually see the work 100 so. percent. yeah that's anytime a client asks me like well how do you define your style and they're clearly reading off like a wet these and questions to ask your wedding <laughs> photographer list i'm like uh. i tend to go straight into like the literal geometry or color of what i do and not try and say yeah, it's creative artistic stuff <laughs> So that means so many different yeah, things yeah, to so many different exactly. people. Yeah. yeah, I try to keep it as broad as possible because, yeah, why yeah. not? 
look at my work and decide for yourself. Yeah, like, that's a good point. Yeah. I really like the light behind you. Is that a special video light for video or is it just something you had? Beagle. No, it's one of those. Um, I guess it's a knockoff version of like the ice lights mm. or those. Yep. It's made by Yang new. It was like 40 yep. bucks, but it's battery powered. So it's easy to bring on shoots and like wedding dates for like a little fill light or an interesting hair light. Yeah. Or to light paint with stuff like that. I so it. it's really cool. I, yeah, it's super portable. So <laughs> just before we started talking, I discovered I have a bunch of hue lights everywhere in my house. That's the only light you see behind oh, me nice. here. And yeah. I, I was thinking, I'm like, okay, there's like the button to press to change it to like a normal color temperature for a light bulb. But what other colors can I say? Obviously you can just say like Siri, turn all the lights, uh, blue, red, green. And I, yeah. and I looked it up on Reddit and there's a huge thread. There are literally like 400 different colors. You can tell hue to change the, oh, the color wow. temperature. Yeah. And they're insanely like specific. It's, it's weird. Let me see if I can find it again. <laughs> I was having a lot of fun and I, I can't remember what I landed on. I think I landed on tiger eye. <laughs> tiger oh, nice. eye. Yeah. There's, it's crazy. There's like Alice blue, air force blue, <laughs> apple green, uh, army green, azure, uh, bayo blue, beaver. Nice. <laughs> Sunlight's beaver. <laughs> Bulgarian rose. Yeah. I mean, the list is long. It goes, it is crazy. Oh, wow. And I'm just so sad that I'm only now realizing this, like eight years into owning these yeah. lights. I really could have been <laughs> using them for all kinds of creative things. Well, now it renewed it in your yeah, mind. That's true. So you that's go. the best part about technology is that when you discover new features, sometimes it kind of like increases the lifespan and excitement of what it is. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Tyrian. Yeah. Tyrian nothing, nothing's purple. better than a good hidden. Yeah. Game. Yeah. Tyrian purple. <laughs> yeah. It sounds like an old box of Crayola crayons with the weird name. Yeah. Yeah. You're probably right. hundred percent. I guess I never paid enough attention to the actual names of the colors when I was actively using crayons. They're always quite odd. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. yeah. That'd be a fun job to kind of, I'm sure there are, it's probably just color scientists, color scientists that would work in a place like crayon, Crayola crayon. Yeah, and, exactly. Uh, or I guess now Phillips you. Yeah. So have you been pretty much kind of locked in and, and hanging out in New Jersey or any uh, travel this year? <laughs> I'm always interested because uh, it seems the only reason I ask is because it seems like when people, if they do travel, it tends to be more rural and, and kind of different and creative for them. So I'm just wondering if you've had a chance to, to do that or if you're playing it safe and staying home. Uh, I played it safe for the beginning from like March until June-ish. And then by then, so many of my travel plans got canceled or rescheduled that the bug was just itching. Yeah. So did a short little trip with another photographer friend of mine out to Colorado. We flew out and then rented a car and like kind of drove home zigzag style nice. and went up through like uh, South Dakota and just hit a bunch of national parks and tried to challenge ourselves shooting different things than it was all, was we it, normally was do. It in photography is sort of the the anchor every day or did you just send? Yeah, it? yeah, ex exactly. Uh, yeah, mostly photography. I mean, we both needed to get out and, uh, usually we're both so busy that we can never travel together like that. And we've been meaning to for years. So it was kind of a perfect opportunity for that. And then we figured staying in like national parks and off the beaten path was the safest option. And it, and it wasn't too crowded. Cause I, part of me could see that like no, everyone really was out there all at the same time and it's, it's actually crowded. It wasn't. Okay, good. Awesome. So, yeah, it, it was, uh, the flight was, pretty much empty like the row behind us in front of us and next to us was empty and the flight was maybe at 20 percent capacity and that would be a lot and that seemed relatively safe and clean the whole time and then 
obviously like we were good about wiping down surfaces, wearing masks when possible, stuff yeah. like that. And then most of the national parks were empty with the exception of Yellowstone was a little crowded, but you just kind of stay away from the popular stuff and you were fine. There's enough space out there to, to deal with a lot of people. I would hope. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Especially if you're trying to explore new, new places and you're not going to like Instagram hotspots or something like that. Yeah. Oh yeah, exactly. And that was the whole point of the trip. Cause I mean, I've done the, the cross country thing a couple of times. Really? Uh, yeah. I lived out of a car for two or three months and drove around the country Whoa. photographing. When so. was this in your life span? Like, was it recent long time ago? What's, uh, it was about four years oh, okay. ago. So awesome. yeah, I, uh, was working at a job as a like studio product photographer and then, um, they went through like massive layoffs and stuff like that. So I got like a big severance and then I was like, well, this is the only time in my life I'll probably have a chance to do this. So let me just pack everything in the car and leave. Wow. What kind of car? Uh, just like a small Ford, four door. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so it was not like uh, glamping in one of those decked out. No, no, not little... at all. That's, there was that's a tent awesome. in the back that like, you know, would find some campgrounds here and there, KOAs, set it up and, and sleep. But a lot of nights were spent in the backseat. Oh, okay. Jeez. And did you, okay, sorry. So you traveled cross country consistently when you were living that way? Or did you kind of set up camp for a long time in certain areas and just, I mean, it, it, it would depend. Yeah, it was kind of, um, I mean, I know a good amount of people throughout the country, so we kind of like couch surfed and uh, yeah. camped when we couldn't find a couch. Um, certain spots I stayed longer than others. Like once I got out to LA, I stayed there for a couple of weeks because I knew okay. a bunch of people to work with and stuff like that. And then it kind of just depended on weather. If the weather was shitty, ah. we just moved on. Which is, I suppose, why Southern California has so many uh, kind of... <sighs> what's couch surfing type of people because the weather is so oh, nice. Yeah, you can kind of make your way around <laughs> that region for so long. Um, yeah. fantastic. Wow. Well, I'm, I'm very envious, honestly. It's so, I think for the past 10 years, I've said like this year at some point, I'm going to do a cross country trip. And honestly, I haven't done it since I was 10 years old. And my mom loaded up, we had a Plymouth horizon, like a four door, you know, eighties car yeah. with the handles falling off. And we, we drove all the way out to Arizona to visit, my grandparents, her, her parents, and that was our cross country road trip. And then we tracked back through Colorado to visit some family there. And that was the last time. And I just, I'm so, you're right. This year is a good, it was a good to excuse like, to do it. Yeah. Yeah. What's sort of your history in photography then was, did you start at the studio or were you into it even before then? Uh, uh, before luckily enough, my high school had like a full dark room in it. Oh, so, cool. and they had a, a big collection of Canon AE-1, like 35 millimeter cameras. So that was like the first time I ever picked up a camera and shot. I need and, to like, know with that <laughs> specific camera and that model, how many people can say that was the first, you know, that was the first I, I think time. so many. It's so just many. such an easy, consistent camera. There's not yeah. too many problems with it. It's, yeah. The four, was and it I, pretty I guess affordable Canton, at the time? I mean, it, it must, must have, have been because everywhere. there's so many of them out yeah. there. Like my high school alone, I think we had like 20 or 30 of them. So like, huh. <laughs> yeah, wow. But that was cool. Like we learned how to hand roll film and load our own film cartridges and develop everything in large. And so that was cool. But I never at that point in my life had thought that you could even make a job out of photography for whatever reason. It just sounded too good to be true. Like it was just these few select <laughs> people that worked for Nat Geo and that was it. <laughs> yeah, right. Totally. I still get that. Uh, who was it? Uh, a friend of mine this early spring, she's an elementary school teacher. And, you know, those kinds of jobs right now, they're especially earlier this year, we're trying to improvise like what to do with these Zoom classes. So she's just reaching out to every friend who does something other than teaching to like 
give a 15 minute zoom okay. talk about what they do. And I was trying to uh, have these like dozen kids on zoom and I'm like, yeah, I'm a photographer. <laughs> They're like, why? I'm like, oh, I love photography. <laughs> while I'm like, you, yeah, but pay, what else why do you do? Why do people pay you for photos? I'm like, well, you know, someday you might want to get married. It's a big deal. They, it, complete fundamental disconnect, inability to connect. Yep. Every doing time. this for a living. With, yeah. Yeah. It's always the, like, changed. But, but what do you really do? Or yeah. what else do you do? Exactly. And you're like, no, this is it. Like, I just touch a camera all day and take pictures in one way or another. And that's my income. It's pretty amazing to see, uh, or to, if you want to like visualize, you hold your camera in your hand and then you look at everything in your life, uh, around you and how this one idea, this product, obviously it's not just a singular literal yeah. product, but this one idea can create all the stuff that exists around you as a, as a job and a path through life. It's insane. It's yeah. Amazing. I mean, but, even in high school, if you would have told me this is what I would be doing, I would have never believed myself. Wow. <laughs> um, yeah. So you stayed on the f photographic kind of journey since high school. Did you ever do any other? So other yeah, I went to college for uh, fine art where I painted through most of college oh, wow. and then realized that was probably the most like pointless degree I could get. <laughs> Gotcha. Yeah. So, um, and then shortly after that, I was involved heavily in like the local music scene because that's, you know, kind of what New Jersey's known for. So, a lot of alt music. Yeah. And um, I s couldn't play any instruments, but wanted to involve myself in some way or another. So, I picked up a camera and started photographing local bands and doing promos for their work. And then uh, the music thing was like a whole separate life I've had, like, I guess five, six years ago now. But um, I was on tour, I went on Warp Tour. I, uh, oh, awesome. Yeah. I photographed with a lot of those bands. So like Circus Survive, Anne Berlin, stuff like that. Oh, what? <laughs> Dude. <laughs> oh, this is great. I love that. Uh, I love both those bands. I don't know if, well, hold on. I'm trying to find, there's a photographer. Do you know Jared Scott by chance? He was on tour constantly with MXPX. He's just a photographer. App. I'm sure we've crossed yeah. paths or talked yeah. at an event somewhere. So that's exciting. So the reason I moved to Baltimore was well, sort of influenced heavily <laughs> by uh, a producer who owned a studio here, uh, Brian McTurnan. Did you ever happen to meet Brian? He doesn't go out on tour very much, but he did Circus' I, first two records. Yeah, and, I mean, I'm sure I've heard the name before, yeah. but if he wasn't out on tour, I probably didn't meet him. Yeah, yeah I, I was curious uh, how often did you tend to like attach to one band and travel with them through an entire tour, or would you kind of float around to other bands that you kind of intercepted while... Uh, uh, it was a little bit of both like, uh, Circa, I did a lot more stuff with for sure. Um, and then a band called our last night, I did a, a run with them. And then, I don't know. um, if you know, she's big now, uh, Halsey. Yeah. Nope. I don't think so. <laughs> she's, uh, for a second, it's not familiar. Yeah. yeah. She's, um, she's done songs with like Justin Bieber and she's like billboard top 100 and stuff. She Whoa. blew up overnight, but, uh, I was the first person to photograph her and like, did uh her rolling stone spread stuff like that oh amazing that's incredible yeah nice good for you so that was a whole separate life i had was music photography uh I, there was a point where i was doing like probably five or six concerts a week whoa yeah. that's a good way so, to i mean there's not many things as difficult as con concert photography i feel like you're just such uh, maybe i'm wrong on that but it's you're so at the mercy of whatever it ha the lighting is and oh absolutely like it would be rapidly evolving i guess there's a pattern to it uh, like I, I suppose a lot of production if you're sticking with the same band like you know yeah. like all right the lighting's gonna do this and like right. at this peak of the song he's 
you know, he tends to go up front or like crowd surfs or whatever. So like, I guess that's the benefit of staying on tour with one band is like, you know, when those traits are coming up and you can nail that shot, you know, easier than everybody else. It definitely teaches you how to work with natural light and like crazy lighting situations very quickly. Yeah, for sure. Do you um, keep up with any of these musicians? Do you know how they're managing through this year? I actually literally had like an hour phone call with, I think his name is Colin. He's one of the guitarists from Circus Survive. Yeah. Yep, to Colin. try and try and get them. Or he has, Cirque Survive has a Patreon, which is yep. doing pretty well for the band, but yeah, split yeah. four or five ways or whatever, it's still not like great. So a lot of, uh, Colin is working on his own specific one, I guess for art, I, I suppose he does painting or some kind yeah, of Yeah, he does a lot of cool art and, stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So I was trying to give him some pointers through that, but I'm curious, have you, have you kept up with any of these bands? Do you have any idea how they're surviving through this year? Any, any interesting I, I've seen, approaches? Uh, uh, yeah, uh, a couple of them have done like the drive-through shows or the drive-in movie theater oh, nice. shows. I've so, heard of comedians uh, think, uh, doing that. It makes sense. Yeah, that a band yeah, would. exactly. That's cool. Yeah. So I think uh, if you know that band uh, Silverstein from like Canada, yeah, yeah, they 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 did a drive-through run and uh, a couple others I did. I can't remember offhand. And then there's been a lot of the like live stream Zoom concert type things. Yeah, uh, which I I think are it's not really the same feel. Like, no. although I will say Anne Berlin, you mentioned them. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, their live stream I watched, I want to say it was May or something, and it was so good. It was awesome. Oh, it yeah, was so yeah, well yeah. done. I could not believe <laughs> how they put this together. Uh, I think it's one of those a, things, a company, a production yeah, company, but holy exactly. shit. <laughs> if like, you put out the effort for a production company, I think it's going gonna, it's gonna to do leaps and bounds better than just throwing a camera up in the corner. Yes. And Yeah. Yeah. It was incredible. And, and actually, with Circa, I think Anthony... Uh, the singer, he just did his like uh, acoustic solo thing. He did a live stream concert that way. And it was good production oh, cool. value, brought in like actual musicians and it was cool. And he did like and a lot of reimagined songs. So it was like, all right, this is your only chance to hear this song with a piano or like something like that. Okay. Yeah. Smart, smart guy. He's always yeah, been yeah. really uh, clearly... Well, first of all, he seems impossibly creative. Like the amount of oh, music writing absolutely. he must do just as an individual. With, and I mean, so, so driven. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he's in like six different bands at any exactly. given time. <laughs> yeah. Did you ever listen to Sayosin? Like way oh, back? Oh, yeah, of that course. Yeah, his yeah. biggest thing to blow up uh, at yep. first. Yeah, Sayosin was yep. uh, good times. Yeah, and then he, he reunited with them and they came out with that new album and it was pretty yes. good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. Super nostalgic. It was cool. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I love that. I love that Circa is still active in making new music. They must be one of the longest running bands. Like, I can't think of many others that are, are actively still putting out, like, have consistently yeah, absolutely. new and, records. And like consistent, consistently good records, too. Yeah. And I mean, they haven't really strayed from, you know, they found that perfect way of progressing, but not straying too much from the sound that people love them for. So that was my problem with Anne Berlin. As much as I love Anne Berlin, they evolved in a way that I was like, I like a couple songs, but this is no uh, cities or something. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> Which, yeah, I mean, you'll get that when, you know, you can't play the same things that you wrote in high school. <laughs> totally. And they also, Anne Berlin, compared to Circus, had a lot of lineup changes, I think, in their guitarists and stuff. Yeah, that's than, true. Uh, not their... I guess, well, most people say, I guess it was just one, their second guitar player kept rotating for whatever reason. But yeah, I remember I was in my one Amberlynn story. Well, I have a couple of them, but two. <laughs> so, and every time Christian, the lead singer, he does a lot of Instagram live for some reason, or maybe he just started to this year because of the pandemic. But yeah. I keep trying to jump in and be like, hey, dude, I just want to tell you, 
do you remember me? Or I want to ask you, do you remember <laughs> me? Because he probably, I highly doubt he would, but I was dating a girl in high school who had a friend who ran like a youth church group or something. And it was New Year's Eve and he wanted to bring in a band. He was in a semi-successful metal band. So okay. he's really into music. And Amberlynn literally had just signed to Tooth & Nail Records, but hadn't put out their first uh, album. I think it's called Ready Fuels. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, or no, 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 Black Market, something, the, whatever the very first album was. But Ready okay. Fuels was like the single from it. Yeah, anyway, yeah, yeah. They were super cheap. And they <laughs> were hired to play this New Year's show for literally like a couple, like two dozen 10 year olds at a church lock-in for new year's <clears throat> i was there with my girlfriend and then her friend who was like the youth pastor put this on and amberlin pulls up and they're like guys last night we were staying somewhere overnight and our entire van got stolen all of our equipment oh. is gone and yeah so they were like we can't play but this guy who kind of hired them had a whole his band's entire it was a metal band but they had their yeah, entire yeah. set of uh amps and drums and everything so they just threw that together and played the show and is one of the it was a turning point for That's me because cool. not only yeah. were they not playing their own equipment but this is like a literally a bunch of 10 year olds new year's eve <laughs> and amberlin <laughs> is sitting there playing one of the most energetic exciting shows i've ever seen in my freaking life and i was like oh my god this yeah. is this is how you do it. Like, oh yeah, it's not, for sure. It's, yeah, it's not all like what you see once people are semi-established on tour. Like, they start here, and it's so cool yeah. to see that. And I didn't really talk or get to know them very much, but um, literally, like a year later, they had released their album and were starting to make some waves. But that same girlfriend worked for her university. Uh, like, here's our two thousand dollars for the semester. Higher entertainment. For, for students. Oh, yeah. So yeah, she, yeah. I was like, oh, get Amberlynn. They were like 1200 $1, bucks. <laughs> and they came to Farmville, Virginia, the middle of nowhere, Virginia, <laughs> to play basically a show for me and my high school friends. Yeah, exactly. No one else. <laughs> and then we had like dinner with them and stuff. And it was really, really fun to hang out. But yeah, uh, see, they, they need yeah. to know how much you were rooting for them early on. In like that. early days, <laughs> man. Early days. You were booking their exactly. gigs and everything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i'm the reason anyone in virginia knew of them right yeah no, exactly it, <laughs> it was uh it was crazy and then as as much as they took off uh, you know they seem to be right place right time i know they were able to like last minute start headlining a big tour that further seems forever was supposed to headline and yeah. they lost their singer i think his name is jason it was the one after chris caraba from dashboard chris left yeah they got this other guy jason he left right before they were supposed to headline and amber lynn was going to be like number four on the on the show, whatever yeah, they weren't yeah. supposed then to headline, but bumped they, up they to headline, bumped yeah. up to the top, and, <laughs> and that kind of propelled them into, yeah, a, a lot more success, which I always love. Oh yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah, so. yeah, they've always been fantastic. But I worry, I worry, I can't even begin to think those bands that were in their formative years now in 2020, how many we were going to know and love and have oh yeah absolutely know, in, and then, exist in the world and now th that momentum has been it's just crushed yeah it's so impossibly hard you can't account for that uh missed up all the missed opportunities that were well and especially with no definitive timeline of when it's going back yeah so it's not even like all right well we just need to make this last until you know march and then we can play concerts again we can you know really make a big push for march and and a full tour and stuff but you have no idea i mean it could be march it could be you know march of 2022 when we have concerts again like who knows i do hope that maybe after you know whatever period of just 
everybody trying different solutions, whether it be Patreon or live shows that are live streamed, whatever, that hopefully there will be some consistent thread that bands can, some path that they can take to monetize and stay in existence. And, yeah. I don't know, figure it out. Cause, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think a lot of it is going to, yeah, it's either going to be figuring out those live streams and, and getting some good production or uniqueness behind them or, or yeah, maybe, you know, drive through concerts or, or drive in concerts are the way of the future. Who knows? Yeah. It'd be interesting to see if they could pull off. Do you know, did they tap into like, I mean, you know, you go to a literal drive-in movie theater and the audio is incredible. It's not yeah, like oh, yeah. AM. You don't tune into the AM station. It's like no. HD FM and it's incredible. Do you know, is that what they were able to do for these live shows? Or was it like roll your windows down and listen through the PA? <laughs> the speakers yeah, I'm from not, the stage. I'm not 100% positive. I know it's been... Even with the comedians, it's been like some will tap into the audio, some won't. Some will, you know, project what's going on on stage to all three, you know, movie screens, and and it's like oh. a cool amphitheater vibe. And so yeah. I think it, it re- I guess it depends on how much money production value you're bringing along with you. Cool. Yeah, that'd be totally insane to think about that. That <laughs> you would even need to know this, you know, a, a year ago as like an audio guy, like you know the sound whoever's working the boards at these live oh, shows yeah. would have to like try and make mixes for cars <laughs> yeah <laughs> like exactly cars, like, where people I can really notice any little notice. flaw it's not yeah. like <laughs> right it's not like a live sound with yeah there's a there's a good amount of forgiveness <laughs> oh yeah absolutely especially in an fudging. enclosed venue that everything just reverberates but 100 percent. i remember there was a uh, a band i was recording it was a metal band called hope at hand Okay. Yeah. They, they didn't get super huge or anything, <laughs> but they were inc- immensely talented. And I, I was one of the, f- I was one of the first people to ever record them. And I remember the little brother of the drummer or the guitarist, he was an excellent drummer. He was just a little bro, just hanging out, like learning yeah. and everything. And he just could not understand. He couldn't understand why I had to do so many takes of everybody because in their live shows, everything sounded perfect but in yeah, the, yeah. the recording aspect he <laughs> couldn't draw the connection between like well now you're sort of like under a microphone in terms of your performance and yeah. you're missing the the ebb and flow of playing with exactly four or five other people in real time when it's just you to a click or just you to another pre-recorded part it is not the same and he just could not understand why <laughs> it sounded perfect live but recording it we needed to do like dozens of takes <laughs> yeah that's <laughs> funny yeah, but it's yeah, a similar thing when when you've yeah. got uh, somebody mic'd up and then it's being remixed for a car. It is you're sort of you're really under a microphone now. In terms oh, absolutely! Of, or, I mean, microphone. Arguably, your car has of. the yeah the best yeah. sound system of anything. You know, so totally, hundred percent. Yeah, it's like a a music box on wheels. I totally agree. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I know a lot of like uh, friends bands and stuff like that growing up. That that was always the test was, you know, bring the mixes into the car and sit for an hour and, and listen to them over and over again. Because I'd really like let you know what's missing. Car test is critical. And it was, yeah. <laughs> I remember it's such a battle uh, those those days of you'd work hours and hours and hours mixing something on speakers. You know, I had the foam everywhere in my room to try and <laughs> kill, kill the reflections and all that. Uh, yeah. Some, some, a lot of mixes I did on these literal speakers that just sit here now. Oh, but nice. It would, you know, hours spent and you go to the car and be like, where, what is this bass? I never heard the bass is so, so loud. I didn't hear it at all in my bedroom. It sucked. <laughs> yeah, exactly. 
Now you can almost get away with just mixing for AirPods or Apple headphones and 90% of people, yeah, it'll translate. Exactly. It's crazy. Yeah, yeah. Times have changed. Yeah, speaking of Apple and stuff, um, you, you got the new Apple Silicon stuff, right? <laughs> uh, I actually, literally on air recording with a, another podcast episode, I opened, I was so excited, I opened my new MacBook Pro. And in my uh, hurry, I guess, in ordering through the App Store, as soon as it was available for order, yeah. the, the M1 Silicon, I just went for the fully specced 13-inch MacBook Pro, the you know, most expensive one, fully spec yeah, of because I assumed that was going to be the Apple Silicon. But no, the Intel processors are still the most expensive, fully spec MacBook Pro. Oh, that's Pro. interesting. So I, I opened it up, and I'm looking at it, and I'm like, I thought the somebody had told me the M1 chips only had two Thunderbolt ports, but this one has four. I guess they were wrong. That's great. I like four USB-C ports, whatever. Yeah, yeah. And uh, no, it was the nope. Intel. So <laughs> the it's like the second, it's cheaper, a little bit cheaper, and I, I don't oh, know. That's very interesting. Yeah, why they arranged it in the store that way, and I'm kind of surprised that you know it being Apple that they even continue to offer the Intel chips. Seems like they would just scrub those away and make it all Apple silicone in one. Yeah, I mean pass. that's how how they usually do. Like you know, headphone totally. jacks and stuff like that. Once they decide they're done with something, it's gone. Exactly. Uh, so yeah. it's sort of weird. And I'm looking at it right now on their website. Yeah, the Apple silicone they max out the the cheaper two actually twelve. 99 and 1499 are the Apple Silicon. Once you get to 1799 and uh, 1999, they're both still Intel. So I got to send oh, it back. Yeah, that's super interesting. It's really annoying because <laughs> now yeah, I'm yeah, like yeah. a month bumped on my uh, <laughs> on my shipping list. I, I, I get it like end of December or something crazy. Oh but yeah, yeah, you missed okay. the rush. It's okay. <laughs> I'm not. It's I'm actually very happy with my 13 inch. Uh, you know previous one that I bought last year. I, yeah, that, that's what I have. And it's, cool. it does me just fine. It doesn't slow down. It doesn't, I mean, it's a great I, I was more excited and I'm more waiting for when they, they move the Apple, Apple Silicon over to like the base model iMacs and stuff like that. Yeah. And I, you know, I keep trying to imagine like, okay, it's gonna be cool to run iPad apps natively on yeah. Mac OS, but I don't really know which ones I'm going to do. It's going to be super right beneficial. Yeah. yeah. I'm sure developers will evolve that idea yeah and create some really awesome things but right now i don't know the, the only other thing i would love is a fanless macbook pro i know the air with the m1 yeah. silicon is fanless because i had one of my favorite computers for years was the the one port uh macbook the non-air the non-pro it was just MacBook. yeah i remember seeing port. you using that i thought you were crazy Freaking at the time it. but <laughs> yeah it's an incredible machine and one of the aspects yeah everyone no one believes that i use that for like all my editing for for years yeah i could still use it but they they uh discontinued it with the most amount of internal hard drive space they ever allowed in a configuration was 500 gigabytes and that was just I need at least a terabyte yeah, at this point yeah. in life. And so I just stopped. I still own it, but I don't use it as much anyway. But one of my favorite aspects of using it was the fanless design. It's just super quiet for recording music, especially. Or oh yeah. I could see that being crucial. Fans. Yeah. Yeah. I loved it. And just the performance on it was pretty great for certain things, not like raw yeah. rendering of smart previews or exporting high res files. Not so good, but once everything was pre-rendered to smart previews, Lightroom just flew on that thing. It still does. Oh, yeah. So yeah, I have a I feeling think, that uh, one ship will be similar. Some apps are going to be absolutely insane, and others are going to be sort of what you would be used to. Yeah, that, that's what I'm thinking, at least until, yeah, like you said, people figure out clever ways to utilize the apps. And, and honestly, right now, like running Sidecar on my iPad is just as enjoyable. So good. It's so great. Yeah. I, I love it. 
it's, I actually bought a dedicated iPad Pro just to permanently have a sidecar <laughs> for my iMac. I, I bought it used and it was the yeah, cheapest yeah. one I could possibly get, but I bought a dedicated one just because, uh, yeah. It does, yeah, I, it has I held nothing off for on, so but... long, and then uh, they came out with like the remake of the iPad Airs that support like Apple Pencil right. two and all that. So, yeah. at the price point, it was just like, all right, let me just pick this up and see if it'll enhance my workflow. And it was night and day difference, like first time using it. So, yeah, yeah, there's like no lag, uh, hardly at all, if at any. Do you do a lot of yeah. illustration work still? Do you use the op- uh, the iPad for that? I've actually been like forcing myself to get back into drawing and painting through it. It's still an interesting experience because of like, I don't know, drawing on glass still feels a little different. Um, Sure. But I think they make like some sort of skin I can put on it that feels more like paper. So I might try picking that up. I think it's actually called paper or something like that. Hmm. Um, So I might try picking that up. But uh, yeah, it's kind of forcing me and I'm trying to do... um, a mixed medium thing where I, I photograph some more conceptual stuff that I have and then paint or draw over top of it. One idea that really stuck out and resonated with me was, uh, what was it? It was an album cover for a band called from Indian lakes. Okay. Yep. Them. Yeah. They're pretty, I think it's just one guy actually. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but he has a band <laughs> that he tours with, yeah. but yeah, he had this beautiful, cool portrait of a woman or something. And then, uh, like a sh- streak or a couple streaks of, um, paint basically just a blob of paint over her yes yeah, yeah really, exactly yeah really neat stuck in yeah it. there's another photographer on instagram who's pretty well known for that he shoots through like a lot of like textured glass and and okay. then he'll do like the one streak over a face or something like that and that's been pretty interesting to see yeah. but uh i'd probably go a little bit more elaborate and and illustrate a little bit more like i don't know okay faces and stuff like that is this still just a nugget of an idea in your head or have you had any experiments that uh, people uh, could check I've out? done a couple experiments, but th- nothing with the iPad yet or anything digitally. It's just been a lot of printing my own photos and then literally painting over top of them. Oh, so, nice. um, but yeah, I'm hoping with the iPad and stuff, I can translate that so I can actually share things a little bit easier online. Yeah. It's Nessa, my partner, Nessa, she's basically in the last two years, become full-time illustrator, part-time photographer. It's crazy. Uh, and all enabled, uh, by the iPad. I mean, she basically bought, or I got it for her for Christmas, the iPad with yeah. the original Apple pencil. And okay. it was growing pains at first. It was like not a yeah. wonderful experience for her just cause she hadn't illustrated in a while. And, but now it's, she is deep. I think she still uses sidecar mostly and mirrors, uh, her display with Photoshop, I think is her main driver for the app. Photoshop and then procreate, I think is the yeah, I procreate. Yeah. yeah. She really likes that, but yeah. Still and I stuff. did the same thing. I think I'm still in that transition of growing pain stage with the illustration. Yeah. So hopefully I get out of it like she did and, and dive into it. But yeah, yeah, I enjoy seeing her work all the time. I've been following her for a while. Oh, really? As well. Cool. Yeah. 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 She's working on this hundred a project and it is absolutely insane. She scrolled back just last night and showed me the length of time, like last year between basically when she would have started her un- hundred day project. Now the, the relative length of time yeah. and how much work she output last year was like this. And now it's like this like yeah, exponential just, growth. Yeah, like, yeah. It's insane. I just don't understand how people, <laughs> I, I've always felt kind of, 
handicapped for lack of a better word as a photographer, because I, I have no ability whatsoever to picture anything in my mind, like an illustration. I don't understand how people do that. Even with the photo, like when I see an idea, I'm just seeing it through my camera screen using live view mostly and yeah. iterate through there. I do not have a photo in my head. I have no idea in my mind of how see, it's I, I find that super surprising to hear from you because your stuff seems so intentional and like you just have all these crazy visions all the time and you bust them out. <laughs> well, yeah, but it's, I, I might have like a, a, a framework of an idea in my head in terms of like something that I want to shoot through to try or whatever. But the, the, I kind of randomly pick a starting point. You know, I can see how lighting is going to fall on my subject. Yeah. So I'll position them just in real time without even my camera in my hand sometimes. And yeah, of course, start there. But then the actual moving from the framework into what, comes the actual picture is 100% iterative through the process of chimping through the back of my camera <laughs> yeah. the whole time. Yeah. And, and that's why mirrorless was such a godsend for me because I was before mirrorless using live view, which was not a great experience. On no, the not great at cameras. all. Yeah. yeah. The D4, I think was the first one you could kind of get away with it as manually focusing, recomposing, take the picture through live view. It was a mess, but it worked Yeah, because at least uh, idea wise, I could, Iterate you can on something. Pre-visualize to an extent, yeah. Way faster, yes, yes. Yeah. And now, like it's, it feels like nothing with mirrorless cameras. It's great. <laughs> yeah, so, what you see is what you get, even through the viewfinder, which is fantastic. Yep. But uh, I will say, I still feel very. Uh, it's frustrating because I'll sit down on my computer and start pulling stuff up and and realize retroactively, like crap, I should have. <laughs> the, the idea that I had, looking at the back of the screen now isn't what it should have been like I've, yeah there's <laughs> i don't know and i don't know if that's a muscle a muscle you can exercise or not because i just i've been shooting as a photographer 10 years now i still don't have an image in my head really before i yeah i think started. it's one of those things that if it was probably a muscle you could exercise you would have probably cracked the code on that one yeah <laughs> seems, <laughs> seems like i know it's a naturally gravitate to in terms of what's likely to work as a starting point and what's not yeah and it's just experimentation from there Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, most of my like single portraits or, um, I guess technically conceptual stuff is usually pre-visualized with like a crude sketch at least. How often does the, the end result track and, and align sort of with that sketch? Is it usually it plays um, out sort of the way you anticipate or is it? Sometimes... It, it really, I guess, depends on like depends. the great grandiosity of the sketch. You know, if it's, if it involves like a lot of set up and like or a very specific location then usually it'll waver a little bit because the chances of finding such an uber specific location is slim to none but uh i mean yeah it really depends yeah and and it, it that's not always the case sometimes you know i'll be at a location and see something and then it's like oh i know what could work here and then kind of sketch based off of a location so then okay. that'll more directly mimic the sketch the or the idea and the antiques that and kind of objects you collect, do they generally work into sort of like a, as as props that people interact with, or are they mostly sort of just setting the atmosphere and the scene? Uh, it's a mixture of both. I mean, I don't ever buy anything that I don't intend to have either in the background or a oh. primary part of the photograph. So nice. everything that I own now is just stuff that I've used for shoots and just don't use anymore, or they're waiting around for the right day and time and person. Uh, by the way, somebody commented in the live stream. We have six viewers, by the way. Oh, uh, but somebody did comment and say, uh, paper like it, it works wonderfully. And it's like writing on paper. Yeah. Uh, I think that's paper. the one I was thinking of. Yeah. Brand. yeah. So I'm going to look into that. Um, 
because that could be the the gap bridger that I'm looking for. With these uh, antiques that you sort of collect over time, do you ever utilize any online resources for that and, and searching and discovering things, or do you prefer to do it in person? And it just... um, well, actually, just recently, I took on a job photographing for like a high-end auction house. So oh, wow. that um, sounds perfect for you. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's been kind of fun. It's a, it's a, it's a merging of worlds, and it's nice because I'm still behind the camera, but I'm not exercising the same part of my brain as I would for a portrait. So it doesn't fry me out like um, yeah. working in the fashion industry or anything like that that I've done in the past. That tended to like fry me out and then I wouldn't shoot outside of it or personally. Um, so this is a nice, you know, in between where I can exercise a whole different part of my creativity and kind of like my more OCD side at work and then come home and create thoroughly just for the point of creating. That's important. It's nice. I feel the same about music. It's still uh, flexing, exercising that creative muscle, but not in any way that relates to photography. So yeah. know, it kind of acts as a motivator and it, it keeps me feeling sharp uh, just in my process of thought. Oh, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. An yeah. Idea. yeah. Um, and now like yeah. um, it, that's where I come into like for me, it's super important to have a camera that is inspiring for personal use. Now, how do you feel on that, like owning gear for something that's purely personal or fun to shoot with oh, on like uh, a trip as opposed to just a workhorse? That uh, obsessed. Yeah, I've got yeah. a, a shameful amount of gear that <laughs> is, that is the, you know, if we're taking a trip somewhere, I, I just take uh, now more recently the Hasselblad, but uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Bunch. Now, I don't shoot any film, none of its film, <laughs> although I do have a lot of film cameras. They, they're yeah, yeah, of course. Decorative, honestly, I don't actually use them yeah. for anything. Well, and plus being a photographer, people love to just give you their old film camera. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. I had a client send me a whole box last year. I was like, this is really yep. sweet. They were actually his yeah. father's cameras like oh my god this is yeah yeah you're like you don't want to hold on to these like yeah. <laughs> but i treat them respectfully and they're you know gorgeous but yes i have um i love the kind of having a couple pieces of equipment that there's no pressure to, maybe i'll bring them on a wedding day if i get the yeah, some yeah, downtime where i'm just like hanging out or whatever i'll play around with a leica or a hasselblad or something like that but uh, where I've got the, an old speed graphic with an arrow Ektar lens, which is oh, okay. quite the beast. <laughs> uh, yeah. And that I still have some Polaroid film that I can shoot that in on. And it's, it's oh, okay. crazy cool. Anyway, yeah. uh, I don't travel with that, <laughs> but no, I, no, no. Yeah, a little impractical. I love, I love having stuff that is purely meant to be motivating and inspirational on a, on a personal level. And most of that work never sees the light of day. It just sort of no, sits yeah, of for course, myself but... and yeah. 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 Well, I think it's super it's important. important, especially as a photographer, to like remember to to take pictures of my life and surroundings, and not just the pretty parts. And and yep. you know, try to get myself in frame from time to time. That's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. If, if you're not careful, you can go years without a proper photo of yourself as a photographer. It's sort of. <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> like a lot of photographers probably prefer <laughs> that, but you know. Yeah, I understand that to a degree, but it's like, especially when I worked in like the music heavily and stuff, I, I do regret not having more photos of me in these places or with these people and stuff like that. You know, being the one behind the lens is, is great and all until you're like, you want to show people it and you're like, well, here's a picture of like 
me sitting in the corner of the room, but you can't see me. You can see everybody else I was with. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm curious more about your, your life on tour. Uh, man, there's somebody, you have such an interesting history. I don't know which direction to take this, but yeah, I uh, <laughs> kind of bounced around a little bit in the photo world to different yeah. things and fashion as well. You mentioned, was that something you did? Yeah. For a brief, a brief period there, that was by far the, the worst part of photography. <laughs> The only fashion photographers I know, I was shocked at their knowledge of fashion, of like literally trends yeah. and styles and all this. And I was like, oh, so you're a really good photographer, but you're an expert in fashion. This is what makes you really successful in this industry. I don't know if you found that to be true or not, but uh, that that could have been very well true because that's probably why I wasn't successful in that industry. Because <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like, you know what actually works well and what the designers are looking for, not just a pretty photo. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. That's Whereas me, my, my like focus is always the person's face or like, you know, right. the lighting on them and stuff like that. And I could really, you know, the garments and stuff are great, but they kind of fall to the wayside. Right. <laughs> yeah. Probably not what the, <laughs> anyone in fashion wants to hear. Yeah. No, what... not ideal for that. <laughs> <laughs> did you, did, were you able to shoot much film? Was that something that was appreciated in that industry? Or did they want pretty rapid, like turnaround with digital retouching and all that? Definitely, like early on, it was just all digital. No one wanted to be bothered with the cost or the time of film. But uh, as I started to transition out of it and more towards like what I did now, I found some like smaller companies that uh, that was the aesthetic they were actually looking for. And you know, instead of just having to sit and replicate the film look on my computer, I was able to just shoot it on medium format and give them to them that way. So, okay, um, that was like, uh, yeah, I worked with a, a couple different like lingerie companies stuff like that that like it kind of fit more into my style anyway and that's where i found like success and happiness through i guess you could technically d describe it as fashion because it was showcasing a product but yeah yeah it's far more just kind of shooting what i would shoot anyway but they happen to be wearing someone's piece what does your kind of schedule look like now do, do things just sort of surface randomly or do you have like any type of uh path and direction for new work that comes up uh, uh so this year has been interesting. It's actually been a pretty good year for me, all things considered. Um, the the job working for the auction house kind of transitioned to mainly just shooting from home, and they uh, Did they just send you stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah, hundred thousand so. dollar <laughs> such and such. Uh, yeah, UPS, yeah, exactly. It, it was <laughs> wow. From like March to June, that's exactly what it was. Was okay. uh, they uh, they they gave me the company card and was like, set up whatever you need at home, studio wise, to shoot the same that you would in the office and then we'll mail you stuff and then when you're done shooting it you mail it back type of deal now it's more i go in the office maybe once a week to photograph and then i'm at home editing wow. and my hours are kind of you know make up as long as the work's done they're happy they don't care so cool. it alleviates me to travel and do whatever you know i'm actually sort of shocked i haven't heard more about or haven't come across more auction house photographers. It seems every city sort of has an auction house and it would be such a, I mean, they probably make a lot of money consistently. Uh, oh, absolutely. Such, yes. It would make sense for every single one of them to have like a staff photographer. Um, yeah. Wonder. I mean, it, it's surprising even being a part of it. Uh, the The company I work for is actually pretty forward thinking with visuals and stuff like that. So they have um, an Instagram or anything. Yeah. They, they do social media stuff and, um, they kind of hired me on to actually spearhead and like redesign a studio and kind of focus on visuals a lot more than other companies as a way of standing out, which is, is worked out tremendously. So, yeah, 
it, it seems like no brainer because we're creatives and photographers. So we know the importance of visual, but these people that are nowhere near the creative circuit have no idea. Yeah. The few that I've gone to in my local market, I suppose, I mean, they say that auction is in the title. So I assume yeah, auction yeah. houses, I don't know, <laughs> but it does seem sort of like this whole industry that, um, you don't really become aware of until you're in your fifties or something. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't know how accurate that is or really rich, I suppose. If you, well, I think that's the thing is it's, yeah. you need to have that disposable income to afford the products. And then by the time you're at that point in life, you're probably older, older. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it would make sense that they would be at least a, a decade behind on, uh, I'm waiting for you to like tell me that you do TikToks for them or something. <laughs> no, 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 no. Okay. TikTok is a, a beast I have yet to figure out. <laughs> yeah, same. Yeah, I'm, I'm hoping it stays more in the realm of videography. And, and I know there's yeah. a lot of successful photographers, but they're only successful because they have cool behind the scenes video of their photography, not because the yeah, core photos exactly. are really good or anything. And a, a, a lot of like the younger photographies on that app seem to kind of just be doing the same thing as each other. And it just promotes yeah yeah repetition yeah well it's sort of social media in general in a lot of ways unfortunately it's yeah a lot of kind of lot not of to sound too much like an old man but you know, I know. <laughs> yeah somebody's <laughs> get off my lawn <laughs> yeah. well that's cool so you, do you think you'll uh stick it out for a while do you have any plans to uh kind of hit the road at any point again and, and do yeah, so we just, we do, uh, for the auction house, I do three to four auctions for them a year of like 3,000 items per Whoa. auction. Yeah. So we just wrapped up one, so I have a lot more free time coming up than I normally would, so I'll probably be hitting the road nice. in Is the there next a lot of, couple of weeks. I'm just curious, you have an inventory of 3,000 items. How big a, a um, do, like... Uh, the objects you're photographing, how yes. are, are they just like any, uh, is one day you're working with a car, the next day you're working with like a stamp, like how variant um, <laughs> variety, like no, no cars with? or anything like okay. that. Um, <laughs> it's, it's a lot of like cards, um, okay. like vintage baseball cards, stuff like that. Uh, and then most stuff is like tabletop sized. It is. Okay. Yes. Yeah. I was curious. Like, uh, yeah, I would be... very rarely do you get the oversized statue or something like that. And, yeah, and that cool. is kind of like a a weird deal with it when it comes in. But for the most part, everything's pretty standard. Do they let you lean into any type of creative aspect to make something look more interesting or cooler than it may otherwise be? Or is it like we need this a certain template and then stamp and repeat? Until um, <laughs> for, the, for the most part, for like the actual images that will be on the, the website and the catalog, they need to be kind of stamp and repeat. But gotcha. uh the advertising aspect, they kind of let me run wild and do whatever I want to do with them. So that's great. That's yeah. So we've been diving into a lot of like creative flat lay stuff and uh, playing with different textures and backgrounds and scenes. And then also diving into video pretty heavily, which is cool too. Yeah. Video, video sells uh, as far as advertising goes. It's, that's... Yeah. It's still a muscle that's like, I'm not super confident about, but at least this gives me the opportunity to to dive into it a little bit and kind of experiment and kind of get paid to learn. Yeah. That's best situation. That oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. How, yeah. How do, I, how I, I, you... I don't foresee, foresee myself ever like diving too much into video and becoming a YouTuber or like yeah, primarily a, different... a videographer. It's just, I don't know. It's too different of a muscle for me. And I, I, I prefer the, the still image for sure. 
did you randomly find this auction job? I'm just curious how you ended up like your, your path to it. Yeah. So it was, I think I'm going on two years in March now there. So about that time it had been a while since I had worked a steady job and I was kind of missing that steady income and security and kind of wanted to set some roots and be home for a while. So, uh, put the resume out and they reached out a couple months later and I was pretty much hired on the spot in the interview. So it is a different feeling. I've only had it recently due to Patreon stuff, yeah. but having a predictable income it's while having a creative job is so great. It's so bizarre too. <laughs> Cause it's like, yeah, yeah, of course it's supposed to be like this, but you know, sort of the power of the internet enables so many great things. And, uh, yeah, there's something to be said for, I don't know, I, I, part of me does, does wonder if a lot of artists or creative type people, the the constant struggle of like, I don't know where my next paycheck coming from. I wonder how much of that struggle informs their creative output in a positive way. Like it oh, really, yeah, of course. Because a lot of artists can be lazy. And if, yeah. they, if they did have a salary job or a predictable income, I wonder how much great art wouldn't come to be as yeah. a result of that. Uh, for I'm sure. I'm curious how, how you could possibly... I mean, I, I tend to to overload my plate in general because if I don't, I feel very stagnant and like I'm not doing anything. Yeah. So um, it kind of helps me a little bit, actually. And because it doesn't exercise the same side of my brain as the, the portraits I do and stuff, it, it's a good balance. It's It gives me, like you said, the stability of the income. So I'm not super reliant on hunting down and taking every little job that comes my way. And I can yeah. definitely be a lot more picky when it comes to, you know, what weddings I'll take on or what clients I'll take on as far as portraits and and also to focus on personal creative projects. Like I'm trying to release a book early next spring, like a coffee yeah. table book of all my conceptual stuff. So it's given me a lot more time to focus on that thoroughly and the financial to, you know, back it and publish it myself as opposed to bending to someone else's vision of my creative process. Amazing. How's the book process coming along? Do you have any uh, spreads or previews anywhere yet? Or is it still? Uh, no, I'm still in early stages. We, I think we settled on a cover and most of the content, there's still uh, specific images. I'm waiting for snow to be on the ground to capture oh, okay. that I want to incorporate into the book. Uh, on this or? Um, so I'm in talks with a couple different galleries and, uh, a small publishing house of like representing me on it. So the biggest thing is I want to design the whole thing the way I want it. And then if they're on board for that, then it's something that can work. And if not, then I'd rather just do it myself. Fair enough. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it should be good. Uh, I think it's going to be called hometown and it's just images based around where I live. Uh, I wanted my first like book to kind of be a direct reflection of me. Uh, and portrait stuff or, or, kind of yeah there, there's uh there's going to be a good amount of portraits and some self-portraits in there which is also very new for me that started during like the pandemic and all that and then um hopefully some illustrations on top of the portraits and then uh, so, a couple writings so yeah. it's on film by chance that... yes wow <laughs> nice <laughs> Impressive. it's a uh, it's a, yeah, it's a different animal, you know, setting focus using, you know, like a, a hat or something and then setting yeah, a yeah, 15 yeah. second timer and kind of running and trying to get into the way that you want to be or it, it's interesting. 
it's fun though. It's it's new, and I like to to push myself that way. I, I can't hardly even relate. Yeah, I've only done two self portraits, I think, and I was looking into a mirror for both of them because I was like, I don't know, I, it's the easiest way I can do it. I'm going to use mirrors. <laughs> I'm not, I can't even imagine like setting the timer, running into position, moving the helmet or the hat, and then like putting yourself there. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's <laughs> it's interesting, but it, it it solves the problem of one not having any pictures of myself to document, you know, me growing, and also. It's kind of freeing in the fact that it all relies on me. Mm. Yeah, I, I can definitely relate with that. I, my favorite projects are ones where I have complete creative control and it all yeah. kind of rests on my shoulders. But um, I, I've had to force myself to learn how to collaborate with other people because some people know more than I do. Many, most people know more than I do. Yeah. <laughs> and so you, you, you need to start, you need to learn how to like trust and like lean into that to some degree. At least I do. Oh yeah, I'm, absolutely. I'm at that. But, uh, and speaking of which with your, uh, kind of portrait work, how do you go about finding subjects? Do you mostly photograph friends or just people you know in life already? Or do you ever seek people out just randomly or, um, yeah. yeah. So it, it started mainly with like friends and family and stuff like that. You know, people that you're close to and you already feel comfortable with. And then, um, as it's grown and my social media followings grown and stuff like that, you kind of get people that reach out that enjoy it and stuff like that. And then, um, it depends. Like if I have a very specific look or image I'm going for, then yeah, I'll reach out to whoever I picture in that photo. And if it works out, it works out. It's nice. It's cool how social media can sometimes feel like a superpower once you reach a certain yes. volume. <laughs> you're just like, I need this person that looks like this that can do this. Exactly. Anybody interested? And then you're like, Oh, great! I found. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So that that is very nice. I'll say that for sure. As yeah. as negative as social media can be from time to time, that part is fantastic. And and one of the main reasons I got into photography was to just interact with different creatives and meet new people. And and for that, it's been fantastic too. Yeah. I unfortunately have shut, I've hit a full stop reverse course on, on that though. Uh, earlier this year, I got, I literally muted everybody. <laughs> I, I didn't unfollow anybody, but I yeah set up a macro recording to batch mute everyone to take a more proactive. Like, no, I understand that for sure. Know. Especially with Instagram, just not giving you direct access to curating your algorithm the way you want it. Yes. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's ridiculous. Uh, Whatever. We don't yeah. have to get into that. But yeah, yeah, everyone exactly. struggles. I, I mean, that is a yeah. thing. I, I wish they would at least uh, give you the ability, give everyone the ability to to have more of a direct control instead of instead of letting the app yeah, decide it, for you what you're going to see. Exactly. If you're not yeah. going to give it to us chronologically, like when you started, and you are going to curate an algorithm, at least give us the opportunity to control that of who we want to see. Yeah, hundred percent. But I guess you know that doesn't pay ad revenue, so no, it doesn't. Yeah, doesn't make that money. <laughs> And as somebody who does a lot of advertising myself, I'm having super like so much fun with ads. Uh, yeah, like the, the creative, the ad creative uh, is a, is a, is an art unto itself. It's kind of fun. Oh yeah, it's really addicting. <laughs> but here I am, like spending a lot of money on various ads, and I'm just like, but I'm also kind of enjoying the creative process of making the ad. How weird is this? Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, I, it, it's a, probably a good way to go about it, and actually just. Hey, if this is the way of the world, let me dive into it and at least have fun with it. Yeah. And I mean, I do see your advertising all over the place, so clearly it works. Oh, really? That's cool. <laughs> yeah. I have no idea. All I see are the raw numbers of like this is how yeah. many people see it and this is how many 
uh, engaged and that's it. But I never know who those people are or how much I'm annoying them or not. <laughs> Although I do yeah, see the frequency no. rate. <laughs> <laughs> you tend to pop up in my feed quite a bit now. I mean, it's probably because I follow a bunch of photographers and they know that's the way to get me. But yeah. 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 Sorry about that. I apologize. No, one no, of, no. It's you, all it's all good. You make good content. So I don't care. <laughs> did you see one of my more recent ads was literally, this is going to cost me 10 cents. Yeah. If, if you tap it. Yeah. I was proud of that. <laughs> That's a fantastic one. And I just watched your review on that uh, Zeiss camera right oh, before we started recording. Any, oh, really? It was a long yeah. one. And when I hit export on it, I was like, shit, nobody's going to watch this whole thing. Now, but see, you... I, I tend to try to find the longer ones because oh, okay. I, I just consume content at such a crazy rate while I'm editing and stuff. So, Any questions, any thoughts or feedback from it, me, criticism it, about it the review? It seems like a, like a crazy camera. It definitely yeah. seems like the camera of the future. Um, I do wish they added the ability to have like a real time LUT of your preset. Yeah, that that would be my I think that's the next step in camera evolution. Totally agree. I mean, it already exists for videographers, like a lot of yeah, these exactly. external so, recording monitors. You just throw on your, your LUT and you're good. So it's um, I think something they could still push out in a firmware update. I'm I'm just still shocked. This is Zeiss's first like digital camera and it's as oh, good yeah. as it is it's got a lot of problems but holy shit for a first run like yeah you would expect it to be <laughs> kind of garbage <laughs> yeah totally yeah yeah <laughs> i i'm very impressed very very impressed the price point and is another thing I've seen, I, but, well yeah but that's also you know just zeiss getting the feet wet yeah, yeah, yeah and zeiss's awesome. price points are always astronomical so yeah exactly I mean, with good reason with their lenses, but it's still kind of crazy. Well, see, that's the thing I didn't appreciate. And I was talking to Ryan Muirhead about it. Like the 35, first of all, 35 millimeter focal length is not my jam normally. I okay. just don't like it. But uh, if I had to pick one lens fixed to the camera that I could never interchange, I suppose I would choose 35 because it's just wide enough that you can go wide and just tight enough that you can get close. In the yeah, and it's, it's that it's perfect in between, but it's also kind of boring because it is that in between. Yeah. But the F 2.0 is the thing I was really like, man, I wish it was a 1.4. Like, give me something, you know, that really expands my palette. Yeah. If you're only as... going to give me one lens, give yeah. me something with, yeah. But Zeiss at 2.0 is otherworldly. It's the, I think the sharpness and, and the bokeh rendering, of course, and all that, but it's just, it has a quality. It really has yeah. a 3D pop to it that is, you can't really even articulate. I don't have the capacity to describe what I love about it so much, but man, it looks great. Even at 2.0, <laughs> I'm not, I don't feel like I'm missing anything. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, it's, it's an interesting I, camera though. Overall, it's, I well, I like the uh, the internal storage, I think, is a good way to go. Agreed. Yeah. Especially for the price points of cameras now and how cheap, it, you know, fast SSD storage can be. Like, we should be, be able to pick up, you know, a Sony body with two terabytes of storage in it. No problem. Yeah. And never have to really worry about getting yeah. it out or anything. The, the great thing, what won me over about the Zeiss in particular was the fact that I'd been shooting on it for like four or five days and realized... I had yet to even plug it into my computer to transfer images <laughs> just yeah. as I'm shooting. You know, I was always on home Wi-Fi, so it was a fast enough transfer speed and stuff. But as I was shooting and stuff was syncing to the Lightroom mobile app, those were syncing just as they should. And as long as I didn't, I guess I never needed to like sit down and start working on it right away on my computer. Yeah, they that's would just true. Auto-populate. I would sit down on my iMac, you know, later in the day, and boom, there they are. Whenever I'd have the now, did did you find yourself actually editing in the Lightroom app, or so, kind of just throwing a preset on it and exporting? Definitely did some editing, but here's the thing that I 
am most annoyed about. I mentioned it in the review, but I don't think I stressed how stupid this is. Like the screen is not calibrated. The color temperature is oh, okay. way, way yeah, off. Yeah, yeah. I remember you saying it's that. And it's like, yellow. well, you expect me to edit here, but not have a color accurate yeah. screen. I, it, I do it, not trust what it looks like <laughs> on the back of that screen. And so it's like, ah. Uh. So you kind of have to trust your preset. It, hopefully you've got okay. some baseline that you start with that you you kind of know that you can trust where it lands if you wanted to do exporting and it's got Instagram built into it so you can post directly from the camera. Okay. Um, yeah. yeah it's, it's all interesting features. Yeah, yeah. Fascinating where the world's going. I'm curious think, to see what the next iter- iteration of cameras, you know, the next full redo has in store for us. I hope that it's the entire interface, the software aspect of the camera, whether it be from Canon, Nikon, I hope that it's built on something like Android. I would prefer yeah. iOS, but I don't think there's any well, hope yeah. of that. Apple will uh, never but, open up those no, floodgates. <laughs> but I, I mean, maybe I know uh, Phil Schiller, one of Apple's senior VPs, loves Canon as a company and is okay. really an avid photographer himself. So maybe I could sort of, <laughs> I don't know. It would be awesome. I, I would love that. John, but, Johnny yeah. Ive did a, a like one-off camera with Leica for uh for auction for some organization so they have flirted with these yeah. like and <laughs> you know the iphone is mostly a camera now more than anything else oh absolutely soul-sucking social media machine but <laughs> uh, but at, on a hardware level it's mostly a camera and it's it's crazy but i would love to see canon just say you know what We've used the same software since the literally like the initial launch of our first digital camera. It's time to RIP that. And we're just going to make an app interface with a unique version of Android running. You would also get so much better iteration of features and new oh, tweaks yeah. instead of having to do this like firmware crap with an SD yeah. card, you know? It's yeah, like, which makes no sense. Why are we still And every time I do it, I feel like I have to go on a website and like read how to do it the right way. Yeah. And like... <laughs> Half the time, like no meaningful features really come to light. It's no, they they add support for like twenty languages or something, and you're like, all right, like (laughs) cool, yeah. This helps for that uh, weird region of South Korea. I'm learning, of course. Yeah, no, it's uh, they they nothing happens, and no, if they were able to go the route of Zeiss, and that's where I'm I'm curious to look back a year later from now and see if Zeiss is able to embrace the fact that it's all running on Android and make meaningful feature. Oh, absolutely. You know, that $6,000 starts to become justified when suddenly uh, it's doing like meaningful stuff that it wasn't when I bought it. It's like a, like a Tesla, like the amount of features they rolled out since the initial launch launch of something like the model three to what it is now, like they are rolling out meaningful features that. Oh yeah. And if camera companies did that, that would be game changing. Totally. Yeah. Cause it, it would, it, but I mean, I guess it would cannibalize physical sales to a degree, but it would be nice to see them, you know. Well, that's why they charge out. double. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's why it's a $6,000 camera instead of a yeah, 3000 exactly. right? I mean, that's where you yeah, can make true. up the money. Yeah. If you play the game right, you make all that up in software and, and then oh, some. Yeah. Because if you yeah. release uh, you know, new hardware, people are, I don't well, know. Well, that's the I, thing, too. Like, e- even with my Sony or Fuji, like, if they... It, initiated a firmware update that was literally camera alterating i don't think i would mind putting out like 50 bucks for it or something like that agreed yeah 
and they're not capitalizing on any of that right now. No, they do not a good at job all. In, in hardware with lenses, but it stops there for the most part. Unless they yeah, it's like issue a new Sony kind of flirted with it with their app store on like the first iterations, yeah. but then they totally cannibalized it and got rid of it. So. And, and it was never, horrible. Yeah, I it think. was terribly I set up. In, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I tried to install something for double exposures, and I was like, what? Yeah, I did the same thing, and it didn't work anywhere near as good as the Canons I was used to using. And yeah. like, yeah. But there, there was the, the promise there for a second, and then they just completely cannibalized it and didn't sink any R&D into it. And you're like... Well, and they're huge companies that don't want to, I think, be beholden to a company like adobe as yeah. sort of like the lightroom thing. but i think they could do it without maybe they don't want to be beholden to google <laughs> maybe that's, yeah, that's true i don't know because you know once you make that jump you are kind of under the umbrella of something another company but i think the writings on the wall as far as still photos and or still cameras go yeah that was one of the things that uh, I love about the Fuji system is they implemented all their film emulations built right into the camera. Mm. And if you shoot in them, it'll actually transfer over directly to Lightroom. So then now I'm editing a raw file based off of one of their film simulations. So if now it's not for everybody, but if you enjoy the way, you know, their films render greens or something like that, and you usually spend hours in Lightroom trying to replicate that, it's something that's happening automatically. And for me, it's cut down on editing drastically. Yeah, somebody's asking in the live stream if I use this. Uh, it's called the L16 camera. I can't remember exactly who made it. Maybe it was Lytro or somebody. It's, oh, okay. Did you ever see it? It's a giant rectangle, and it's got like six With all the lenses, lenses on it? Yeah. yeah. It's the worst thing ever. You can Great adjust concept. the depth afterwards. Yeah, and yeah. It's horrible. I have not. So whoever's asking, I have not. <laughs> uh, I still have it somewhere. Maybe I should see if they've... I'm sure they made some software updates, but... Whew, it was bad. Great yeah. concept. And, but yeah. Apple and Google have proven they can do it computationally with like one well, yeah, I was, I was gonna, <laughs> Yeah, and, so. and even that, it's kind of like LiDAR in general and cameras have kind of rendered that useless. Totally. Did you well, update have, to the new iPhone, the 12 Yeah, Max I have the 12 Pro Max because okay. I just like big phones. So Yeah. Um, and it, it, it's, it's crazy. It is. The low light, I think, is literally now better than uh, DSLRs. And I can't remember. I don't know if I've ever actually tested the low light feature. Does it only output uh, JPEG? Does, do you know if it'll do the, the new Pro Apple Pro Raw with the low light, long exposure stacking? I'm not positive. I know the, the new Apple Pro Raw isn't available until the next update. Oh, that's right. If you're so, in the beta program, I think you can get access to it now. But yeah, you have to yeah. Be a developer or something. Gotcha. And I normally am am in the beta program, but sometimes it kind of screws with my apps a little bit too much. So, yeah. Once uh, the new full like release of the software comes out, I usually get out of the beta program until like next June when they initiate it again. Oh, did but, you ever say? Are you planning on buying an M1 yourself, or are you going to hold off until uh, it iterates to like a version two? I think I'm holding off until they do a full redesign of the iMac. Oh, okay. You're gonna wait. Yeah, I, I want to see them do like an edge-to-edge -edge display and maybe get rid of like the chin at the bottom. And I, I'm just curious to see where they're gonna go with, you know, the actual redesign of the iMac because I have a feeling it's probably coming in the next year or two. Yeah, I suppose you're right. This the iMac Pro is sort of a as quick as they could response to doing something pro. It wasn't yeah. like, like two, three years ago that people were freaking out that Apple had abandoned pro users. <laughs> it wasn't that yeah, long. Yeah, exactly. And Apple seemed to like, yeah. And now the they box. have pro everything. <laughs> yeah, they really trying to stress. <laughs> this iPhone is pro now. We're, we're good. Yeah. It's like, okay. 
<laughs> but I love, love my iMac Pro. I've got the big gray one. I think it was yeah. freaking like $5,000, even though I bought it used. I didn't get yeah, it of course. Uh, at launch. But I, I agree. I could see an edge-to-edge -edge display and a meaningful webcam update would be amazing. Some computational photography into, yes. I mean, now more than ever, they would yeah, just be sure. raking it in if people could Absolutely. get shallowed up the field, like whatever you've got on your display here. Built yeah. into a webcam on a freaking computer. They basically have that built into the iPhone. How is it not in their uh, their Macs yet? It's yeah, been... and I was also kind of shocked with the iPhone, especially because it has LiDAR now, that they didn't implement this depth of field uh, emulation throughout the video function of the phone. I'm sure that's coming. Has to be. I, I think it's it's their next holdout for either next year's phones or something like that as a big yeah. feature, but they probably won't initiate it through firmware because they want you to buy the next phone. But of course, yeah, yeah, I I can't wait for that though. I want the <laughs> I want the focus and the emphasis to shift to video more than photo yeah, absolutely. I'm sick of them being like, "This is the best camera ever." Well, and especially being a photographer, it's like I, yeah. I can get depth of field with my nice camera, but like yeah. video wise, like it'd be so nice to shoot video on my iPhone in 4K. And have that depth of field. Yep. But the and, natural rendering is kind of nice for close-up stuff. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's yeah. surprising. If you're doing like portrait-length stuff, it actually does render out a nice background. But Have you ever played with any of these apps that... Uh, oh, that's funny. I need to turn off these comments. People are talking about <laughs> the, the audio is out of sync on the live stream. This is why it doesn't matter. Uh, oh, what was I going to say? Have you played around with any of these apps that capture every photo you take from all three cameras at the same time and like gives you just a yeah I, I i tried um i think it's filmic pro does like the yeah the, the you know you can do the front facing camera and one of the rear cameras at the same time and i was trying to play around with it a little bit trying to um do some video work when i ride the motorcycle around and stuff like that and it seems to work surprisingly well yeah uh but that that's the next frontier for me is yeah is like the assumption that every photo you take, you can make whatever focal length you want, which is that, that's, crazy. Yeah. But, but uh, I think that's the next frontier. Like, why? You only have one lens? What? You don't have four <laughs> lenses? Yeah, like, exactly. At, at all at the same time, recording everything equally? Like, why not? Yeah. <laughs> it's hard. Yeah, to... it's, it seems like a no-brainer. <laughs> yeah, it should head that direction. I, I don't know what that says about composition. Like, where should you assume... Uh, your composition at that rate but uh, i don't know it also solves your problem of not having photos of yourself because if every picture you take yeah, also snaps a front-facing camera yeah exactly hey, yeah, yeah that's me. true that's true yeah here's my face <laughs> looking at the back of the screen like this yeah exactly yeah i'm sure those would be fantastic photos to show later in life <laughs> but you know given another five ten years i in with the cell phone cameras being so ahead in terms of what they're able to do computationally compared to dslr there's, I don't know. I could see that that being the final nail in the coffin for traditional cameras with one lens uh, yeah, being I attached. Think so. Like the fact that you can capture everything from four different perspectives all at once, on top of it looking basically the same. Yeah, it, especially lens. if there's yeah, there's no quality, you know, disconnect. Yeah. Then it's it, it makes no sense because I can bring this thing in my pocket or I can lug around a giant camera. But I will say, I. I would love to see Apple make like a meaningful case or something that has a more comfortable. Yeah, I wouldn't want to shoot I, like a wedding with an iPhone, no matter how no. good it was, because it's so. I, I think it was like the original 11 Pro or something like that. They had the one case that actually had a dedicated shutter on it, which was yeah. like a step in the right direction. But yeah. they could have emphasized it a little bit more. Something with a hot shoe for flash. Yeah, or something exactly. Yeah. 
Yeah, well, especially now, I think it's doesn't Profoto make a, a flash that you can sync to your, <laughs> yep. which is crazy, but it works. It's it, I mean, it looks funky, fantastic, but, it but yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, you're getting actual flash results from your cell phone, which is interesting. Yeah. Uh, and the other thing that is kind of a bummer, but I guess eventually you just grow out of it is the, the you get no tactile feedback of the shutter. You don't yeah. get that feel and responsiveness of the lens focusing and all that kind of visceral, intuitive, physical physicality that comes with photography that is an important part of I think the end result in terms of timing and all oh, that. Oh absolutely. It's and just I think like removed, y- but. the sounds alone really that was like a one of the things I, I liked least about the Sony cameras is the shutter just sounds awful. Yeah. The and, newer uh, ones that I tried, uh, I, I feel like they improved on. I don't yeah, know if by accident, I don't know if they, they do that just as a consequence of evolving the technology or if they're purposely intentionally trying to make listening the to sound people's better. complaints. And I would yeah, hope. I would hope so as well. I mean, that's one of the things I actually love most about the Fuji is it has such a clunky, like real shutter. Does it, it? feel like it a film you right now? Do you have it? Uh, I do. I got it right here. Get that on. Let's see here. I don't know if oh. it's picking that up. That especially that second half. Yeah. Yeah. Feels like something's progressing. <laughs> it's a little That's bit cool. more tactile. Yeah. And that, it uh and just curious, what's the frame rate? Is that max frame rate? Can you go it's uh, like three okay. frames per second or like I think maybe five tops if you have like live view, but then it does that weird uh warp because it takes so long for the sensor to render. I think you played around with oh. your Hasselblad had that weird distortion effect when you're the using electronic shutter. shutter. Yeah. 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 It suffers from that just as bad. It's the sensor then. Yeah. yeah. What a bummer. Yeah. They need to speed things up or it's probably the processing of the data. That's, that's what I think it is off the sensor. Yeah. Cause apparently the, the GFX 100 version, which has a, a much faster processor suffers from that far less. Oh, good. So good I think they're, they're actively working on it, but. It, it, it does lend some weird results if you don't realize your electronic shutter is enabled. Yes, very, really. <laughs> and uh, sometimes flattering, uh, usually yeah, not. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's usually <laughs> the wrong direction. Yeah, it's, uh, I did two entire sessions with electronic shutter and the 58 Nikon uh, 1.2. And uh, it was, I was so frustrating only because, you know, I would tell my subjects, like, you have to, don't, no sudden movements. Don't move up yeah. too much. But you know, people's natural chemistry and interaction with one another—you don't want to tell them to be statues. You can't. Or no, it's just not look at all. Stiff, yeah. But any type of movement would really start to be a problem. I would see maybe the whole frame was—I was steady and everything was aligned fine. But like their bottom leg would have yeah, like something's a gumby, like weirdly gumby yeah. leg. <laughs> Dang, you guys yeah, really I can't deliver that. No. <laughs> or you could kind of maybe nudge it in post, but then it's like yeah. work you don't want to have to be doing. So no, yeah, exactly. Now, where do you think it's it's going? Like, I know you mentioned like machine learning and stuff like that. Would you be okay with machine learning on your workhorse camera? I think so. I don't know why. It depends on what it's doing. Uh, if it's literally changing expressions or something, probably yeah. not. I don't think I would want that at all. What about uh, like the um, the AI composition that they've been promoting lately and stuff like that, where it auto comps and stuff like that? That that to me is a little weird. It is weird, and I don't think I would. I I don't know, man. It's scary because <laughs> any, you know anything I try and make a case for, I think you could equally make a case opposite. So I I really yeah, don't yeah. know. Um, because a lot of the work, a lot of times in creative work, I find when I do have 
a grasp of the limits and the capabilities of the camera. Uh, I can lean on a lot of the work the camera is doing. Something as yeah. simple as like auto ISO, you can sort of conceptualize being machine learning, right? It's dialed yeah. into a meter and it's doing a lot of, it removes so much headroom in the decision-making that now I've got this, this higher starting point in my creative process to, to work from. So I, yeah, absolutely. I can start in a m more developed creative space. So as, as awkward as it is to think like, oh, the camera can start compensating for comp composition, literally. Yeah. Now absolutely. I can focus more on lighting, but eventually, you know, cameras will probably be able to render light. I mean, they already kind of do, not in a great yeah. way, but it's starting no, but down that path. It's, it's there. So I don't know. Uh, I have to see it in practice. I, I'm yeah. not against it all, but I think a lot of it's going to, you don't want to lose your sense of self either and just have the camera no, not take at over all. because yeah. eventually before you know it, like you're stuck into a, a pattern or a, a principled way of shooting that now you rely on the camera doing something for you and you can't live without it. That's a bad thing. And then it also yeah, makes it really sure. hard to pivot into a new direction for your work if you don't know how you got to where you are. <laughs> so yeah, exactly. it's, it's crazy. I don't, I don't know what to expect and make of it all. Now, have you played around with any of the programs like the uh, Luminar or the Photoshop updates or anything like that? So, yeah, the neural filters on Photoshop are interesting. They're hilarious more than anything. They are right hilarious. Now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Especially when somebody like has their lips closed and you try and make them do an expression where it adds teeth. Yeah, artificially. Which is so like, weird. Uh, now we're <laughs> we're making assumptions about what this person's teeth look like. I don't like exactly. This. Yeah, or or it's just giving everybody you know ultra perfect teeth and then. You know, that's the way they're going to want to see themselves forever. 100%. And I've talked about this on other podcast episodes. The the native, just for, I mean, Apple is guilty of this themselves. Just yeah. the, the native, without you knowing it, uh, output of what was being captured would smooth your skin or make you look a little more flattering than what is reality. And so people's perception of how they actually look or how they photograph, at least, was being altered on like a, in a yeah. real psychological way. There's a disconnect between how they actually look. And that's scary to me because now we're, we're living in, in, in two realities, physical. Yeah, and, no, and absolutely. It's like, well, it's even, even the Fuji actually has a setting in it for skin smoothing to shoot in real time and applies it to the raw file. Wow. Oh, dang. And it, it, it works surprisingly well. Huh? But yeah, you don't, you, you know, don't get that. Follow uh, that to a its shiny, logical extreme. Twenty yeah. years down the line, and you're a really old person, but you still look like half your age. But now your historical record of you existing and how you actually looked when you were is young altered. is completely yeah. obscured. It's lost. It, yeah, and that's uh, that sucks in some ways. Oh but, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I, I mean, don't know I, that you can I, fight I think it. It's, yeah, I don't think you can. I, I hope it just becomes more of a time and place thing. You know, uh, I, I think. You know, there's times where you want your skin to look perfect, but I think as far as like documenting your life and stuff like that, it should look as real as possible. Yeah, agreed. It's yeah, it's interesting. I'm I'm more curious and hopeful that they introduce. Uh, I would like to see lidar come over to our professional cameras for autofocusing, mm -hmm. and I huh. think also with like a if they could find out a way to store depth map data in with your image, and then you can alter focus post photo. Well, LiDAR would solve that, right? Yeah, like, I think it would. would be, yeah, I don't know. I haven't seen any, I'm trying to think of any and, other And then camera. also it would be interesting because then it would be like, well, would there even really be a need, aside from light gathering capabilities, of crazy fast heavy lenses? If I can shoot an F4 lens but then go home and with the depth map, 
it perfectly mimics a 1.2 or an F1 or a medium format or whatever. Ooh, I hadn't thought about that. The fact that you could shoot with an incredibly lightweight pancake lens, basically, and just get get the basics of everything. and, And Huh, yeah, that's interesting. I would assume, I don't know what the LiDAR... Yeah, I don't know what its limitations or any of that is, but that's just where my brain goes when it starts getting introduced for autofocusing and stuff like that. It's going to have to, because LiDAR is also, it seems to be a critical component of AR, which is clearly where the next big, I think, leap is going to be. It's not going to be VR. It's certainly going to be AR, if not permanently AR. uh, with some Uh, sort. AR is just far more practical than VR. I could see it. Uh, It's, I think we should all take a look around and embrace the fact that we see the world the way we do right now. Cause I do believe we'll reach a point where without some sort of digital overlay in your everyday yeah. world of the life, uh, I, I think that will be normal. I think you will always have some sort of digital experience and overlay of what's occurring around you. Oh yeah. Whether be, I, I think so for sure. Yeah. And I, mean, I think it's coming sooner than anybody even imagines. Agreed. And the utility of, it's just like with phones, the utility of having a phone that, you know, yes, you, you know that it's too addicting in some ways and that you need to limit your access, but also it has Google Maps. So it's always going yeah. to be with you when you leave the house because it has Google Maps or something so useful. AR exactly. is going to be the exact same thing. It's, it's, oh, for it's sure. going to be direction yeah. oriented and all that. And it's... um well, even even if it's in your car and you can see the navigation in real time displayed on your windshield, that's way safer than having to look yeah, down at the screen. Yeah, yeah. But but lidar, I think, is going to be a big part of what they're able to do with data collection and then reinterpret it with some interactive AR. Oh yeah, experience. because even even the fact that I can pull up my phone and create a, a true to life depth map image and like walk about around three D model of my room in yeah. ten minutes. <laughs> is it's wild. <laughs> it's, it's exciting, but my fear, my great, and I'm sure Black Mirror, uh, they certainly have t- touched on this. Is, oh is yeah, the implications, <laughs> the implications of you know, really the marrying of social media now plastered over your entire visual experience, and you know that that person that you see walking toward you. Oh, there's their name with their profile of a hundred thousand followers. Here's another yeah. person with ten thousand followers. You know, you know, and it's just ever present in your awareness of everyone around. Oh yeah, you. and I, I don't think that's unrealistic at all. And it's terrifying because yeah, it's gonna because we're instinctual humans. It's gonna influence us whether we want it to or not. No matter how mindful you are of well. This person you're, might you're, you're going to tend to go talk not. to the guy exactly. with hundred thousand followers. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's horrifying. Yeah, <laughs> it's. <laughs> it's I, <laughs> I don't see how that leads to anything good, honestly. But no, I don't. But I mean, who knows? I don't know. Now, do you still edit uh, in VR with your Lightroom <laughs> yes, catalog? I do. <laughs> yeah, only oh, the vast majority is just calling, and yeah, it actually yeah. has been great being kind of at home more than ever now, uh, just to change up the environment a bit and everything hundred percent. Yeah. Immerse, immerse VR immersed. I can't remember the exact company name, but they have the now best how, experience. How is the, the color accuracy on that and stuff like that? Is it not great or it's getting better? I just bought okay. the quest Two. I think it's the official name that whatever the latest okay. quest iteration is, and it is better. Yeah. The pixelation isn't quite, it's not, you still get the screen, uh, screen door sort of effect. You're kind of very aware you're looking at a screen. Yeah. But, yeah. uh, 
the color accuracy is not horrible and you can adjust it. You can adjust for it. It's okay. not science perfect. I haven't taken like a calibration spider and put it up to my goggle or anything, but you can get a, pr a pretty close approximation just okay. with some of the manual controls. I mostly use it for calling though, because yeah. I already hate calling and having a fun, <laughs> a fun, like a fun way of going about it. Yeah, 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 exactly. And that's uh, my biggest downfall too, is the calling yeah. is just so monotonous. Yeah. Uh, it's pretty cool. And now I'm just waiting and looking for somebody to like jump in with me because you can do like basically chat room style VR experiences oh, okay. where you can see their screen because it's digitally represented what they're looking at in the room yeah. if you want it to be. And they can see yours. So you can actually collaborate in real time seeing your yeah, monitor. That's really floating. cool. Yeah. yeah. That's it's, fascinating. It's great. And there's another friend of mine who's a photographer. Uh, she talked, oh, what is the app? Alt? Alt friend, alt space. Dang it. Let me see if I can find it. <laughs> Literally like every night she's in this virtual chat room with people just hanging out. It's called, uh, and they're talking oh, about politics I... and it's called alt. Uh, but she believes it's the future. She's like, yeah, why are you not already here, Sam? Yeah. Or, yeah. This is, you make your avatar and then you just meet people and you're talking to, you're making these actual relationships. It's social media all over again, but in VR. It's yeah crazy. it's it's fascinating but yeah it is also terrifying like i don't know it seems like a lot of people could get stuck down that rabbit hole and it becomes their real life i wonder if we're not already in that state where there are two realities one uh real phys physical reality with so yeah. many human interactions where it's somebody's primary way of being and then another is literal uh probably more in younger kids now, their primary uh, identity is their online virtual identity, not their... Oh, yeah. And I mean, we must already be living in that state. And so you're getting two literal identities now, like <laughs> diverging, yeah. two, two, two separate things. Thanks, Siri. Uh, triggering all my <laughs> life. So now you have this entire section of society that's going down to the digital reality and identity and, and perception of their place in the world. And another set probably a smaller set now that actually their primary sense of identity is anchored in existence and, and what yeah. they experience. So it's, but I don't know what that leads to. It seems like that would lead to a lot of conflict, but maybe they're so they will ultimately be so unaware of themselves that it won't even matter. <laughs> yeah, that, that's true too. Yeah. Yeah. Who knows? And especially I think this year in general with being so locked into our own homes and stuff like that, I think your online persona has been almost more prevalent and, and yeah, important during this year and i think you can change it so drastically compared to what is reality it's scary it is but i could also see the argument that at least given this year and the context of a pandemic and you know it's like a scary thing that it actually has been better for people's mental health to be able to sustain yeah. even digitally you know some connection to the outside world in a, in a way that's not just like the radio or tv but i don't know i don't know if if that actually genuinely helps like someone's mental state in a healthy way, does it really help if you're only consuming and not actually outputting like this, like putting yourself, yeah. like, I, I think that's the key is you need to, uh, you, you definitely output. have to have the ebb and flow. Yeah. The output I think helps quite a bit. And I think more stuff like this of people chatting, I think is the key. Yeah. hundred percent. And have uh, you, so for you, have you done any, anything other than like what we're doing now with the podcast? Do you do any other? No, I mean, I've been, I've been looking into a bunch of different options as far as like, if I want to go down the YouTube rabbit hole, I, I, I think I would 
kind of lean more towards doing stuff like this of just interviewing and just like hanging out and talking with people. And then maybe if I add it to a YouTube page or something like that, I think that would be something yeah. I'm looking into for sure, especially as, you know, we're on the verge now, it seems like of more lockdowns, especially up here. So I think it's a good way to keep my sanity and keep interacting with people and, and hopefully meet new people along the way. I mean, like, this is great. Like, uh, you know, yeah. we probably never would have talked otherwise. So. Exactly. Yeah. I often think about, <laughs> I'm suddenly self-aware. I say the word I quite often. I apologize. But <laughs> <laughs> there it is again. Dang it. <laughs> I, I often think about what my life would be like without the internet. I, I was a disaster really growing up in terms of trying to get like simple fundamental things like paying your bills or balancing your checkbook, all of that stuff. If the internet didn't come along, I, I have no doubt I would be uh, flipping burgers, fast food or something. I, I would oh, not have, it, not I, exactly, yeah, I agree completely. <laughs> I'd be probably in the exact same boat. It, it's helped out so much with yeah. navigating the world. And creating and having connections with people that never Oh, yeah, ab absolutely. Existed. And then it's just, yeah, you realize, like, you, you kind of get the, like, the world smaller than you think mentality a lot of the times because there's so many times where, you know, I interact and am friends with someone and then someone else knows them. And then next thing you know, you're, you have friends all around the country. And yep. it's all, you know, then the problem from... is like just trying to be nice and not and, and keeping straight who's who and how yeah. you know them and all that. <laughs> yeah, was, exactly. Like, it's too good of a situation. I know people it, more by their profile picture and their username than I do their actual face, which, oh, yeah, gosh, yeah, maybe absolutely. that is exposing just to myself that the, yeah. my online identity actually does take priority over my real life identity. I mean, I don't like it. I guess it's it's nice for us because we both use our names. So like, at least it's like a real sure. name, you know, connected to a real face. But uh, yeah, there's definitely so many people where it's like, you know, you try to explain them to someone and you just give a username or something like that. And you're like, man, I, I kind of feel shitty for that, that I, I can't remember your real name, but I remember your Instagram handle, but yeah, it's nothing personal. It's, yeah, no, it's like, well, it's when, only... when we interact in, you know, only on Instagram through messages or something like that, that's the only name that I see all day. So of course that's what I interact exactly. with. Yeah. It's a struggle to, you know, fight the pronunciation of things as well. I think, didn't we start? I was just clarifying yeah. <laughs> to make sure. I, I'm so fearful. It's same when I'm shooting like wedding clients. If I'm not 150% sure of their name, I just stop saying it. And it yep, gets exactly. Really, yep. I, I hope that it's not awkward. <laughs> I hope it, I, I can kind of navigate using like yeah. pronouns or something like that. Exactly. <laughs> using the old like kind of point method or like uh -huh. wait yeah, until you, you make eye contact. Then, yeah, <laughs> yeah, right. yeah. <laughs> yeah I, I can't remember how to say your name. So I'm just going to try to make eye contact every time I need you. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Anything fun coming up for you? Any holiday plans? Or I know you mentioned things are locking down again. Yeah, I mean, it, it just seems like it's going in that direction. Uh, hopefully, I mean, I'd like to do uh, one last little like road trip before the year ends, maybe to like uh, New Mexico or Arizona area. So I was gonna say it's it's getting cold, so head south. That's a good time. Yeah, yeah, that that that's this. the plan. So hopefully something like that. And other than that, uh, it's the winter, so website update and finishing up the book. Oh, right. That's good. I'm, uh, I'm so excited to see that project. And are you documenting any of that process as you go along? Or is it going to be one day, boom, here it is, I'm done? Uh, I, I, I go back and forth with it. I, I think I'm probably going to start documenting more of it because one, it, it helps motivate me a lot more to, to be more proactive and push out more. Um, and it'll probably help, you know, content wise, 
as I, I struggle through the winter months. So yeah. yeah, I'll probably try to document more. I don't know how or, you know, in what shape that'll take, but we'll see. Do you, uh, and not to get too off track, do you personally ever struggle through winter months in terms of, uh, like, I don't know, mental depression or anything? It's so gray and cold. Uh, I talked to yeah, many people. Yeah, no, for that, sure. That um, yeah. It, it's, it's, it's not even that. It's just like the days are so short and, and yeah, with the clouds and stuff, like lighting wise and all that, it's the window to go out and create anything. Cause most of what I create is, you know, location based or outdoors. So mm-hmm. it, it's definitely severely limiting. And then that in itself kind of, it'll get you down if you let it. But I, I try to keep other projects going. Like I always try to do a website overhaul at this time of year. I always try to you know, cool. catch up on all my editing from shoots throughout the year or, or dive and, into o- old Lightroom catalogs and try to make old images work now that I, I awesome. know editing a little bit better or technology improves. Isn't that the most fun to take a deep dive to oh, yeah, like absolutely. five years ago and, and yeah. say, what the heck is this? <laughs> it, especially to see like the images I decided to export and then the ones I just left like and never touched. And I'm like, wow, I like this so much more now. <laughs> Interesting, <laughs> for sure. Yep. <laughs> yep. Hey, what is your website? You've mentioned it uh, a few times. It's great to hear that you do more than just social media <laughs> these days. So, do you have a, yeah, an easy... Yeah, method? it's super easy. It's just jesse, J-E-S-S-E, merch, M-U-R-C-H.com. Yeah, I, I try to keep it as minimal as possible. I always have... struggle with that with website design is yeah, if I yeah. want to showcase like, you know, mountains of work or if I want it to be like just literally like my, you know, 20 best images or if I want to show collections and stuff like that. So it, it's always uh, I always go back and forth and there's always tabs that get turned on and off. And do you have many uh, weddings lined up? Did, did you have like the mass reschedules and stuff like like a lot so of people? I, I had a. I. Like I said, I, I get a lot more pickier with my weddings nowadays because I have the opportunity to because I'm not relying on them financially anymore. Yeah. So uh, I probably tend to do 10 to 20 a year. Okay. Oh, that's good. So yeah, I just only ask because I see that as a as a tab here. It's good. Yeah. Good work. So um, I think, oh, thank you. And uh, yeah, ne- next year will probably end up being a, a little bit heavier of a year because of the reschedules and then the new additions and stuff like that. Hopefully there's not too many you know, um, dates that hit the same day, but we'll see. Yeah. That's, that's the fear is, is that there's double yeah. the number of couples yeah. with the same. Exactly. Dates and uh-huh. people have a knack yes. of picking the same couple weekends. So. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <There's, laughs> our date is tw- the 21st of the second month of whatever. Yeah. Tw- well, and especially because if, if, you know, most of my, my clients tend to like fall weddings and stuff like that. So, And in the Northeast, you have a finite window of like two, maybe three months to, to capture anything like that. So That's true. Yep. Yep. I fear, I, I wonder if it's going to occur that so many people are eager to say yes to as much work as they possibly can because it's been such a crazy year of uh, reschedules yeah. or people are just bored and stuck at home. Uh, but then by the end of next year, there's like a, a shift an overcompensation and people are like overly burned out. Hopefully that doesn't happen. I'm just purely speculating on how I could see it. Yeah, no, I I think it definitely (laughs) could happen for sure because it's like that, that fight or flight mentality of like, well, last year was so dried up that I I can't say no to anybody. And I I wonder if it's going to affect like people's pricing and stuff like that. Like if you're going to see people just, you know, take stuff they would never even take before, but it's, you know, because of how low the pricing is, but then it's like, well, 
it's better than nothing. Yep. And photographers tend to have a, any creative tends to have a problem of underpricing themselves. Oh yeah, but for sure. I, I struggled that for so long. <laughs> yeah, it's tough. It's only until like recently. And I think that the financial security outside of like the creative realm alone kind of helped embolden that a little bit more because it's like, well, I'm not really relying on it to pay my bills. So I'll charge what I, you know, feel like I should to, yeah. to make it worth the while. That's a nice feeling. Do you have any of yeah. your uh, music kind of touring band work anywhere? Like in one spot or? Uh, I think right now the only spot you can really see it is like a highlight on my Instagram page. Gotcha. Okay. Um, it was onto my site, but that's part of the the thing that I'm trying to redesign and, and streamline a little bit more. Cool. Yeah. Well, good luck with everything. I'm excited for the book. I'm, uh, yeah. Yeah. It should be good. I, I hope it, uh, I hope people like it. It's, it's definitely, it's a weird feeling because it's, it's putting myself out there in a whole different way. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So have you ever made a book ever? This would be the very first. Um, so I, I usually make a book just personally for myself of like each year of the year, like my year of favorite photographs just to have on my shelf and just have something physical awesome. for later in life. But this is the first time it'll be something that's like pushed and hopefully I get into a couple stores and do like some gallery showings with it and stuff like that. that that's a whole nother world that I feel like is different is the gallery yeah i've only done two in my career as a photographer and they're uh, they're very very different <laughs> yeah. very nerve-wracking very <laughs> did you ever talk to Mirhead ryan about his leica show yeah, yeah 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 that seemed to... yeah and i went up and I, I saw his showing at i think the leica store in, in boston or something oh, cool. they did something and uh and then yeah i spent some time with them when i was out in portland when i was traveling around for those couple months so gotcha you know he moved yeah. out of portland he's back in yeah yeah, he, he left the castle that he was in over there. Castle? I never actually yeah. saw where he lived. Oh, yeah, it was like a legit castle on a hill. It was cool. What? Yeah, yeah. Fascinating. <laughs> like, a lot of the, the shots he has were, like, strictly from that place. Because it what? had, like, the black and white, cool. like, checkerboard floors and, like, clawfoot tubs. And it was it was wild. That's crazy. Oh. Yeah. he He's, like, a whole separate beast. His, his stuff is so inspiring and just on a whole nother level of putting creativity and thoughtfulness first in the image. Agreed. And he and I, I love talking to him because he and I fundamentally disagree on so many <laughs> <Yeah>. fundamentals. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> yeah, it was like go, listening to him lecture and then listening to you like put on a lecture is kind of the opposite of world. So <laughs> yeah, pretty much, yeah. <laughs> Which was interesting because weren't you guys supposed to do like some sort of a workshop thing together at yeah. one point or? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. That, uh, kind of fell by the wayside but it's uh i still think has a nugget of some it has potential there whenever yeah. gosh whenever in-person workshops ever become a thing again some photographers apparently are still trying to make them happen uh i talked to binge i don't know if you know binge heist heist yeah yeah, yeah yeah it's not his i think it's someone else's hosting it they're doing a workshop but i suppose oh interesting like now like this week or something i, I think it's small and they're taking precautions but uh, I, I do wonder the conference and work. Have you ever been to like a photo conference? No. Um, okay. No, not really. Yeah, I don't know if it seems like my thing or not. <laughs> probably not. I, it's not, not my thing at all, but I did, <laughs> I did learn how to love aspects of it. And uh, the people really is what it came down to. Yeah. Is. It would mainly just be to go and like network yeah. a little bit and, and run into some people that, you know, I've been following for years and 
maybe play with some new gear. But other than that, I don't think it would be too beneficial. You just have to kind of accept that this is the catalyst, the reason to get together with these people. Yeah. No matter how cheesy or like the character of the conference, maybe it just doesn't align with your aesthetic or whatever. No matter what it is, like this is the reason. So you might as well just do it because nobody else is saying like, hey, let's go all hang out at some hotel for no, yeah, do it. (laughs) You need some. I I wish there was more of that because I do anytime I do find myself in a group of, you know, photographers and like-minded people, it's always a good time, but it's, yeah, it's something that only happens, like you said, at these cheesy conferences or something like that. I talked to somebody, I can't remember who it was. They were like, we really want to do one where when you go to sign up and, and pay your fee or whatever, it would be very cheap. And, uh, at three or four times throughout the process, as you're clicking buy, it literally says in big bold, you will not learn anything. Are you sure you want to purchase? <laughs> yes. Are you sure you want to come yeah, hang exactly. out with people? You will yeah. not learn anything. You will not sit in a chair and listen to 10 speakers for 10 hours. Like, yeah, no. Every, the anti-conference and like yeah. just emphasize, lean into that. <laughs> There's, I think there's room for that uh, on the I other think, side absolutely, of this pandemic. Yeah. <laughs> See, I would be more into something like that than the traditional exactly. like... Oh, you're going to change the way I, you know, photograph at this conference. Yeah, you're going to leave a pro. <laughs> you're going to leave a professional yeah, exactly. established yeah. business. Yeah, making 300k a year and <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Wonder if that's ever happened. I doubt it. I I, I got to think probably not. <laughs> Only to people that took all the teaching points from the lectures they learned and then started lecturing themselves about how successful exactly, you can yeah. be. That I think the lecture <laughs> circuit probably breeds more lecturers than anything else. Yes, I think you might be right, <laughs> man. How weird is that? <laughs> so now are you going to try to continue to do more in-person workshops once things open up or are you going to transfer to more I'm, like Patreon already, content? And, yeah, I was already feeling that. Because uh, I remember you, you did do like a... Like you filmed your workshops really nicely and put them out on Patreon. And I watched all those and stuff like that. And that oh, seems cool. kind of like the way to go. It is. Uh, but gosh, I really miss it. I miss the traveling, even though I didn't really do it well. I didn't do it right. I would mostly be in and yeah. out of places as quickly as I could. Hardly okay. would I like hang out with somebody the next day or day before because it's so physically exhausting to talk in front of people and be engaging and energizing for like nine hours. Yeah, straight I, I, I can see that. I, I did a yeah. small circuit when I was in Boy Scouts because I got a lifesaving award. Well, I had to go to all these conferences and speak about it. And it's it's taxing, to say the least. Whoa. Talk about that for a second. <laughs> As yeah, I, so like, <laughs> sorry, it was like a, a random thing to just throw no, in there. But it, it, it's my my only uh, forte into public speaking. So uh, yeah, my um my grandmother at the time I was in sixth grade and uh, was staying at her house and she suffered a major heart attack. So three of the four heart valves clogged. And um, so I did CPR and kept her alive until the rescue squad came. And because of that, they said if I didn't do that and have the knowledge to do all that and my timing on everything, uh, she probably would have died. So yeah. Yeah, CPR is and it's so difficult to get right. You've got to be Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Was, and so you learned CPR through, I learned through Boy Scouts, yeah. yeah. I, ironically, I think it was like, you know, like a month prior or whatever, we had just gotten certified wow. and like took in the classes and all that and 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 even even still like it, it because they change like the rules with CPR and stuff every year that sure. you know, who knows if it would have worked or whatever, but luckily enough it did and and she pulled through and because of it, yeah. I got that and then uh, did a, a lecture circuit in like the Northeast 
Uh, just have you kind of tell your story of the experience. And yeah, I would go to different, um, you know, halls for Boy Scouts and, and talk in front of a couple hundred people. Amazing. Which was terrifying being in sixth grade and like. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I was going to ask how old were you? Sixth yeah, grade? Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, no. I think that's what killed my uh, want to public speak ever again. <laughs> like, I suppose it would nudge you in one direction or the other. Yeah, exactly. Gonna, yeah. Like, I, I either be would next, have been teaching only that. lectures right now or shying away from completely. And yeah. I, I went the latter for sure. <laughs> Still, incredible story. Interesting background. That's. Are you still? Uh, did you stay involved with the Boy Scouts through? No, I didn't uh, go through the ranks to like Eagle Scout or anything like that. Um, it was a, a big thing I did with with my dad, and then after he passed away, I kind of like lost interest oh, in that, and then, hmm. um, yeah, it kind of faded out. And and like once you get older in life, it, the the joy of it kind of goes away too. It's fun when you're younger because you're with all your friends and just camping and able to just run through the woods and do fun stuff. And <laughs> totally. Yeah. It kind of sets you up in terms of a discipline, maybe that, that is. Helpful. Yeah. And it, it definitely instilled like an early love for the outdoors and I have no qualms or problems with, you know, sleeping in a tent for a couple of days and stuff like that, which helped with the road trips and living on the road. So. Yeah. Have you ever done any like camping or sort of, outdoorsy things pure solo just on your own or do you oh yeah for training? sure oh really cool yeah yeah i've done a couple it's usually only for like a weekend or something like that just to go camp and hmm. and um especially this year like during the pandemic um and living up in the mountains i've gone out a couple times and just you know stayed in the tent for the weekend and and brought a big zoom lens and tried to my hand at wildlife photography <laughs> oh really that's fascinating. yeah yeah cool. it, it was something once I, I saw the writing on the walls that this whole pandemic and lockdown was going to be longer than any of us thought it was going to be in the beginning, I was like, well, I, I need to stay shooting. And I like to challenge myself with like completely different genres than what I normally shoot. And wildlife and using giant telephoto lenses had literally I've never done in my career. So it was a good excuse to dive in headfirst and seems learn a whole be, different aspect. Yeah, it seems the the being patient yeah i was i was just gonna say it, it taught me more than anything patience which is what i struggle with because i tend to to really be scatterbrained and all over the place on on portrait shoots especially and try to shoot you know a thousand different things at once and uh, i i struggle with rushing through it as opposed to really just like taking a breather and and thinking about it yeah which is where the the fuji comes in handy too because it's such a slower camera to use that like i, I treat it like i'm the, shooting the medium format film mm -hmm. yeah yeah exactly so it's like even though i have the ability like digital to shoot a thousand frames i tend to you know walk away with a third of the number of frames that i would with like shooting with my sony hmm. wow but just as many keepers so it's you know if not more because there's a lot more thought going behind each image yep I, it's interesting to think we could live in a period at some point where there's a whole genre or an entire generation of photographers that have a certain output that is just totally different because it's coming from a different place uh, versus somebody like you or a film photographer. Yeah. Like with, with deep uh, intentionality and thought behind every photo versus people. And both could still be like incredibly 
good, compelling work, but just, I want oh, to yeah, be able to see an actual difference and, and see just based on content, like, oh, that's clearly a digital shooter. Oh, that's clearly a film shooter just based on like the concept at its core. <laughs> yeah. Maybe, maybe people can do that now. I don't know. I, I can't, but I, I wonder if that division uh, could continue. Or yeah, will, will I, I mean, I think you stumble on on some people like the previously mentioned, like Ryan, his stuff seems to be very like purposeful. And like, I think you can tell right away he's shooting film pretty much exclusively. And, you know, he shoots 12 frames and probably 10 of them are exactly what he envisioned. So, yeah, but I think so many people when they hear film and look at film photographers, they fixate so much on the, the tangible, like the aesthetics of the. the look. Oh, yeah. And not so much the thought and the concept is as much. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I've been guilty of that so much. Well, and also too, I mean, and even online and stuff like that, you you could trick people all day long. You can post the same image, but if you say it was shot on film, it's going to get far more interaction. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. You know, and and it's funny, you know. I don't like to do people, but I guarantee you, if you you did a a direct test like that, no one would ever know. Why? (laughs) Why why do you think that is? Do you think it's the... I I think it just hits that nostalgia Nostalgia? in people's minds. Yeah. Do do you think it's anything to do with, oh, I can't believe you pulled this off in film. I I think that has a lot lot to do with it as well. Yeah. Mm. They they see it as more of an actual process that you worked for. Even though it's like I could have, you know, put in 10 times more work using my digital camera, but you have no idea. But you just assume because it's digital, I hit a button, it was perfect, and I moved on. Right. Hmm. Yeah, I think that has a lot to do with it. It's, And you'll see that, I think, a lot of the times, too, where, like, it could really actually be a pretty mundane image. But then if someone's like, oh, well, I stayed up all night and you know, in freezing cold weather and waited, you know, just for the right moment. And then I was having camera issues and stuff. Then you're like, oh, well, actually, that's an amazing image because it like tricks your brain into thinking because they put so much effort into it. It's got to be good. So here's what would be an interesting gallery show is you walk in and the first the entire setup is all this work or here's the process I took and it's all a lie and it's all a lie. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Setting it up to be insane. And then you walk through the gallery and you try and tease out people's uh, um, interpretation of just how much work, whatever it is they're looking at, took. Yeah, and exactly. And at the end, you're just like, oh, by the way. Um, Th- this was all digital. Yeah, it was all, all digital. Yeah. <laughs> the process was nothing yeah. like I said. Yeah, you walk in and it's like, oh, here's my dark room. Here's where I enlarged the film. Yeah. Here's where I you know, printed them and all this stuff. And then, yeah, at the end, it's like, oh, actually, that was all set up. And how people... I think that would, uh, I'm sure it's been done. Uh, yeah, we can't be the first uh, in, in some form or the other. In some, some yeah. form, yeah. yeah. I'd love to know, though, how that challenges people's perception of how, how much the end result matters or doesn't matter and how much the story and the context around the art um, increases its value or emotional impact on somebody. There's a lot yeah, to absolutely. There, but I would love to see it focused specifically on, on film versus digital. <laughs> I think that'd be fascinating. But it's also, it's the same thing, too, where it's like, technically, I can take the similar, if not the exact same photo with my Fuji as my Sony, but something about my Fuji makes me enjoy the image more and want to take the photo. Yeah. Hmm. So it's like, there's also, it's, it's on the back end as well. So it, it constantly makes me wonder coming from a background of more audio related stuff in my earlier years, there were, there's this constant, constant battle in the audio industry of, uh, basically these plugins that emulate analog sounds. So like distortion and the warmth, the quote warmth of vintage. Yeah. I've heard that term 
all the time yeah. in the when I was in the music, you know, industry. <laughs> yep, it's elusive, but it's very similar to film versus digital uh, photos. And well, it's also the same thing with people trying to justify with the the quote unquote medium format look that no one can actually describe really, but. <laughs> It's that medium totally. format magic that everybody yes, yes. loves to talk about, but you see it yourself, but you can't really say it, you know, like, <laughs> and then like a double blind AB test, no one can seem to get it right either. Yeah, huh. no, not <laughs> at all. <laughs> but, but it's interesting because in the audio world back in the 2000s, when all these new plugins started to come out, trying to, it's, attempting to emulate the vintage analog sound, but doing it in a way that wasn't exactly accurate. There were so many people who actually called it right. Now I'm looking back a decade <laughs> from me from that in that there are digital plugins being sought out now for their inaccurate recreation of analog sounds and the uniqueness that they struck oh, yeah, for sure. in that algorithm. And it's like, how weird is that? People yeah, are actually exactly. seeking out a digital I'm going to pay you more to technically like, you know, screw up the recording a little bit or something like that because yeah. it adds this warmth that we feel in this nostalgic. It's funny. I can't even remember how we got to this. Something about gallery shows. <laughs> but, well, uh, I want to leave some headroom here. I feel like we could keep talking for, for like another yeah, hour. Yeah, for sure, but, man. <laughs> uh, I want to leave some headroom. This has been a, a great time spent with you. and, and uh, Yeah, absolutely. agree, man. Anytime. Yeah, this will be wonderful. Oh, I was going to say, did we already plug your Instagram directly? I can't remember. I think we did, but just uh, to wrap yeah. up at the end here, I want to make so sure. So it's people... just at Jesse Merch, J-E-S-S-E-M-U-R-C-H. Perfect. Yeah, and absolutely. Same with my yeah. website, everything. So it's pretty easy to find me if you know my name. Fantastic. <laughs> Dude, it was so great to get to know you. And I hope you uh, get this book. Uh, finished and out if you, yeah, if you want me to hold you accountable i'll just text you randomly every couple of weeks be like, yeah 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 exactly <laughs> yeah and hopefully once the world opens up we can actually do this face to face that'd be fun i've literally never done something like this in person i know some podcasts that that they they do every recording in person and i often yeah. wonder what kind of how that what, changes. how the dynamic changes mm -hmm. yeah it's got to be different but uh, for sure yeah Right now, that'll just remain a dream until... Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, we're on the other side of this. But hey, uh, have a good day. Thank you so much for your time. And uh, Yeah, man, thank you. Do it again soon. Cool. Thanks, Jesse. Bye. Thank you. Bye.